Dark Shadows Literary Licensed Podcast Episodes. Ben Stokes here, exploring all things Collinsport, Maine, and following the likes of the Collins family, and the friends and foes, with your co-hosts, Tom Diamond, Jesse Fultz, Mickey Ray, and Keith Chalgo, Collins family, story about blood relations, literally. Welcome to Literary License Podcast, and today we're discussing Dark Shadows, episodes 504 to 524. And today we have with us Marie Wallace. Hello, Marie. Hello. Nice to see you, or hear you. (laughs) And we have Tom Diamond. Hello, Tom. Hello, everybody. And it's 506 to 524. Keith, the check is in the mail. (laughs) Thank you very much. It's It's great to be here once again. And we have Vicki Ray. Hello, Vicki. Hi, everybody. And I'm your host, Keith Shago. Before we get started, let's find out what everyone's been up to. So, Marie, what have you been up to since last time we spoke to you? Well, I have been so busy. And what am I busy with? Classes. And they're all on Zoom. Uh, It's the most wonderful thing. I mean, I have never taken so many classes in my life. But they're great. You know, from painting to um, exercise classes, yoga, uh, qigong everything it's wonderful that's fantastic yeah Yeah, i have to there and say that um um living in the world we are today your world is so much can be so much open through the courtesy of your own living room nowadays i know i know it's wonderful sometimes i think i've got to be in class in five minutes and i say okay that's all right it's right there (laughs) you know i don't have to go out i don't have to go through the rain or the snow or the cold and not that i dislike that i do like it but it's awfully nice and convenient on those days to have your class right there in your little warm bedroom i know I've actually been watching um, some repertoire theater companies and what they've been doing is taking out like Barefoot in the Park and Neil Simons and they get all these actors on the screen and they're, they're actually going through the scripts and reading them oh, and cool. acting them out. So it's quite yeah. nice. Everyone in their little Zoom window giving, giving their little performances. <laughs> they're finding wonderful things to do uh, on, on Zoom uh, with this time. I mean, we love live theater, but it's so wonderful that we don't have to miss it totally. Exactly. We can create all of this through Zoom. So we're very lucky when you think of if we had this whole thing happening to us 100 years ago, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but the yeah. Spanish flu, the Spanish flu, yes. Well, we had just been nailed inside our houses with a great big red X on the outside of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, even if it's less than the same place in the 80s i mean basically it's like you would have to sit there and just watch your three channels wouldn't you yes <laughs> right sort of yeah no kidding that would have been all but we used to read a whole lot more i still read avidly but you know a lot of kids grew up with electronics and mm-hmm. this and that and i mean but we used to read a lot i mean we didn't always you know when the well, tv went off at 12 o'clock the canadian station went off as did the new york station so Wow. Oh, sure. And with, with me, I think it went off at 11. And it yes. was hard to do this circle thing with the, the colors, you know, the color. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. But then it's one, two, the ten. TV, the TV was about yes. six by eight. Black or and white. 
Star Spangled Banner would play, and you know it was time to go to bed. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, Which in New York, because sometimes you can stay up awfully late getting involved with some of these things. Yeah, well, they had the late, late, true. late show, and you know, in, in New York, you know, they did have a million dollar movie and then Channel. I remember Nine, the million dollar Channel. movie. Yeah, and they had, of course, the Gone with the Wind theme for that. Da, yeah. da, da, da. WPIX. And the late show and the late, late, now they had that syncopated clock by Leroy Anderson as the theme. And then they had the, then they had the Christophers. Oh my God. Oh, well, the Marina, Marie is, uh, I was a, I was a, I was a young kid, uh, probably a baby during that point, you know, but, uh, but that was uh, those. Those were those. You'll never see those days again. Not with what 90s. they had TV in the eighteen nineties. <laughs> so better you well, than you, me, man. You'll have to go to Quentin to find that one. Uh, but but here's a blooper. I told you this before. In seventeen ninety, when they did the seventeen ninety five block in Dark Shadows, they they kept the nineteen forties radio from Collinwood mm. that they have in the present as you go in through the door and you go to the left and there's an old radio Oopsie. and they forgot to take that out. So you saw that radio in the 1795 block. That's funny. I thought it was an There's amazing. always a blooper in, um, in well, in tel- television, definitely. But even on the stage, I did Born Yesterday uh, once many years ago and that takes place in the 40s. And um, my boyfriend came at the time, came out to see me doing it and he said, why are you guys using a, a ballpoint pen? There was no such thing as a ballpoint oh pen in the 40s. No, none of us had even thought of it. That's but true. It was signatures that we had. I had to sign my character. And you, you can tell the difference between right. a ballpoint and a, and a pen that needs ink. Yeah. And so, you know, it's something that what we never dreamed of. It's great, though. It's great. You know, the, and, that, and of course, that's what made Dark Shadows special. Uh, the, uh, another one was, uh, we covered that when, you know, the gazebo, the garden of Collinwood, uh, and, uh, they were, when they were in the 1795 block, they moved the patio furniture to the left, way to the left. But if you look close enough, and especially with the big screens now, you can see the patio furniture, 20th century, that's yeah. supposed to be in 1795. <laughs> that's what everyone, that's what everybody loves about it, the bloopers. In fact, have you all seen the tape that's just called Bloopers of Dark yeah. Shadows? Yeah, that's yeah. wonderful. But when it first came out, I said, that's redundant. The whole show is a blooper. Yes. <laughs> My personal favorite is when the curtains fall and they slam the back door or the door looking out to the terrace. And the curtain rod falls and the curtains come that's down. That's in Maggie's house. That's in Maggie's, Maggie's house. house? Yeah, that's later. I thought, it, I thought it was in the, I thought it was in Collinwood for some reason. When, when I first started on the show, I didn't know all the rules and I was in a room and the set started to fall on me, literally falling oh, no. on me. And so I stopped. And, you know, got out of character and the whole thing. And Dan Curtis said, why did you stop? I said, because the set was falling in on me. He said, doesn't matter. <laughs> doesn't you matter. Stop Keep rolling. Unless I say to stop. And it was yep. true. Yep, that's what yeah. he did. And, what, and didn't you almost catch on fire or something like yes, that? My hair, my hair, thank God it was a, oh, a big wig. But uh, 
Yes, I had to run. In fact, that's the time when I went into that parallel time and in, into the jail. And um, what's his name? Okay. Humphrey. Humphrey. Um, Humphrey uh, Allen Estrada. Allen, uh, you know. Nicholas Blair. Nicholas or was Blair. It Jeff Clark? Or Nicholas was it Jeff Clark? Blair hypnotized me. Oh, right, and then right, right. I had to dip down run across the entire studio with a, someone following me, throwing a cape on me and a wig. So we had one pin to put the, in, into the wig and the cap and got into place. And I started acting and talking and I hear this. I said, oh my goodness, why is she bothering? And I just thought it was the hairdresser, lovely Edith, Edith, yes. Edith Tilly's. Yes, Edith Tilly's. I thought she was thinking, oh, I, she, she's worrying about my hair or, you know, it's not <laughs> on correctly. All of a sudden I hear this stamping and it's one of the stagehands running to me, pulls the wig off, it's on fire. So, yes, in a moment like that, you had to stop. <laughs> well, they did the same thing. I was telling you when, we, when you and I interviewed about, this was last year, but when... Uh, Jonathan and Alexandra Mulkey were having a scene in Collinwood and there was a backstage fire and they were, this was a lot, they were, they were doing their, they were doing their dialogue and you heard the fire extinguishers in the back as they were trying to put out the fire and the two pros, I mean, I think Jonathan just maybe looked for a second at it a little bit distracted, but the two pros finished the scene and didn't even realize, you know, that they only knew afterwards that there was a nice fire going on. (laughs) Yes, you get get so involved, you have no idea about those kind of things. It's been great. great. I I remember um, watching one of the interviews on the DVD disc, and basically they were talking about Louis Edmonds and that he thought he was done for the day, so he was getting undressed. And then he goes, No, you have one more scene, so he had to run out with no pants on and stay behind the sofa the whole time in this (laughs) scene. Famous one, yes. They shot him from the from the waist up, yeah. and and if you would, and he was holding a brandy glass or a sherry. And so if you so if you looked at the whole thing and you were in the studio, there he was with the brandy glass and he had his shorts. Which yeah. <laughs> Catherine Lee Scott tells that story. Well, well, now that comes uh, right to today when even the newscasters or I or anyone could be interviewed. And yeah. it doesn't matter what I have on at the bottom of, of me, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, this, uh, um, no, but I mean, this. guys, the guys don't wear their suits totally. No. They wear their suit and their tie and their shirt and maybe pants or something. Yeah. I, I'm yeah. not saying they're going naked, but I mean, uh, you know, uh, you, you don't need to fully dress. No. Don't have to worry about your shoes. We had a BBC interview here with a really prestigious politician here, and he's being interviewed live on television. And while he's being interviewed, his kids come in and they go, Daddy, Daddy. I and, saw and, they, that. and you can see the nanny like dragging them out of the room. I saw <laughs> that. That was great. But that's wonderful. That, I think people love that. Oh, they do. Oh, they it's do. It's not like doing a play. I mean, doing a play, it's yeah. not so wonderful. You, even us, of course, you know, now I did an interview with Roger Davis and he was driving his car through L.A. while I was, you know, and he was talking on his cell phone with Bluetooth and he's driving through L.A. And all of a sudden I hear these shots and I said, Roger, what's going on? He goes, I just passed the gas station. It's being robbed. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh. 
<laughs> I mean, one one good thing about theater, though, at least it's like it's that night, and then you just kind of move on. I think I did a production of Jesus Christ Superstar, and as the Roman soldier um, chorus person, but um, I just remember like taking Jesus to the front of the orchestra pit, <laughs> and of course Jesus stopped. The other um, Roman guard stopped. I didn't. I just fell into the orchestra pit. <laughs> <laughs> dragging jesus with me so, so yeah. but you know the next day you just get back on and no one knows the next audience never knows so it's okay. no 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 they never do well yeah. sometimes jonathan may rest in peace told the story of when he was doing a shakespeare uh at one point live on stage and he mixed it up and he gave the right the lines from the wrong play and uh and everybody was looking at him and i don't know he must have had polar so he just got he, when he realized what he did he just got mad and he walked off the stage um and you know so i mean it it it's but it's but it's so endearing it's so endearing because you know art is the art is the imitation of life and of course marie you can speak more to that than i can but uh but but your career has been so diverse and that's one thing you know uh, it's not just Dark Shadows, it's Broadway. You work with a lot of people and uh, hopefully people will listen to my, our, our interview, my interview with you uh, for the podcast and, uh, and you can talk more about that. What's going on with, so what's going on? So you, so right now you're, you're attending all the classes mm-hmm. and uh, you're, you're living in post COVID New York is, uh, is, uh, are the lights going to go up on uh, Broadway anytime not soon? Not anytime soon. Even on off Broadway, everything's shut down. Yes, it's going to take a long time. I mean, there are small theater groups that are doing things. You have to pace yourself and keep your right. distance and stuff. But there's no way that you can open a Broadway show and have 25% capacity yeah. because they lose money, millions, yeah. when they have full capacity in some shows. Yeah. So wow. there's no way. So it's going to it's going to take another year or two, you know, before... It's got to be a way so that we we start doing it 100%. I mean, you can open maybe 75%. I'm not comfortable when restaurants start saying they they can have 50 and 60% capacity, even with um, even with the uh, uh, vaccines, because there's all these mutations that one has to worry about. So yep. I, yep. I act on the cautious side, I must say, but stay busy creatively. I do. I paint. I painted many years ago. I started when I was backstage and I sold paintings and wonderful. I did oils then, but now I've moved to um, acrylics because it's easier and faster and doesn't smell. (laughs) And uh, Mm -hmm. I just I I may start looking into watercolors because that's something I never tried. So uh, that that's another fun, wonderful. I like you know, watercolors. Color. I can't do it well, but I appreciate a good painting in watercolor. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting because the longer you live, the, the the longer you realize that there are other things to do in your life that you never tried before. Mm-hmm. Jimmy Cagney, from what I understand, was uh, he was a, he was into painting later on in his life, and he did a lot many, of many, 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 many actors. You, you see, you read about them all the time have become painters. It's hmm. it's all very closely related, you know? And um, so- it, expression, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, in fact, uh, yeah, what's his name? Um, 
our wonderful singer, Tony Bennett. He's a wonderful painter. He's been painting for many, many years. He's, almost, he's over 90 now, isn't he? I think he's I over think 90. he's 92, something oh like God that. God bless him. Oh, my yeah. God. I'm actually reading about Eve Plum, who played Jan Brady. She is a world-renowned, re very respected painter as well. Interesting. That's interesting. You know, I like, would have thought she would have gotten into that. I have to look that up. I did not know that. Me neither. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. She has, she has and, and, art yeah. galleries, everything, so... I know. I just sent a, a book to someone that uh, is bought for him by another friend. And um, I worked with him in the theater and he has been painting for years. So there, there are lots and lots and not just dabbling, you know, really, really good and really selling and, and you know, just wonderful. So it's, it's, it's nice. I, I believe that if you're a creative person, you can do it in any area. It's just probably right. Probably. There are stockbrokers that are very, very artistic. <laughs> if I was a stockbroker, I'd look for relaxation in any way I could. <laughs> no, but it's more it's more than relaxation. It's a it's a creative thing within them. And I think that they, the best of them are very creative people. They're not just cut and dry. You know, lots of us who are creative think, oh, these other people, they they just business people numbers. suits, you know, and uh, they don't have the very much art or create creativity within them but i don't believe that's true i, I think um there's a lot of it and, and it's and doctors doctors oh my god you know how many yep. doctors i know that are uh, musicians really yes good plastic surgeons yeah. you're going to see a lot of plastic surgeons that are into yeah. sculpture yeah. because that's part of what they do obviously oh is. i know my husband was a plastic surgeon oh, and i, I always and his hands were I, I used to I, I was so attracted to his hands because you could see a creation a creative kind of hand you know and uh, i used to say i bet you'd be wonderful in, in sculpting but uh he never did that but anyway it it, it is interesting and they're they're outlets but they're even more than that you know He's a nice jewish boy like me did he speak yiddish uh, yes. When he went to Germany, he went to Germany to study um, and um, he, he got by, he said, with Yiddish, although sometimes he got him in trouble because it wasn't always the correct word. But, you know, you could get by with it. Oh, absolutely. Well, I speak it fluently from the house yeah. and uh, I, I, and it's 68 percent German. It's middle. It's 12th century uh, middle high German. But that's uh, that's a that's well, it's coming back. It's coming back. You got the folks Vienna theater, you know, the Yiddish theater. Yeah. Uh, it's a loss. It's a beautiful language. It's a, it, it really is a beautiful. So between your Gaelic and his Yiddish, uh, <laughs> did you? That was that was a yes. nice match. We, when we when we uh, toasted, we always said Slointchulachayim. Slointchul is the same thing as Lachayim in in Gaelic. Slointe. Slointe. It's spelled S-L-A-I-N-T-E. So a lot of people say slante, but it's wrong. It's, it's slointe. 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 Thank you. Yeah, I speak a few words. I, I, I've got my Kehe Wiltu down, and they'll say, Tanagomaya Gastafein, Buikas Ajia Ort. And after that, I'm going to run under the desk. Uh, <laughs> but I just said, Thank, right. thanks be to God. Oh, Jal Ort, go to the devil. And that's something that uh, you'll see on Dark Shadows. I always, I, always kind of, I always kind of regretted that they didn't have a nice Jewish character on Dark Shadows. <laughs> that would have been fun. Barnabas, what the hell is the matter with you? Have 
everything is going wrong. Why the hell don't you come out at night? <laughs> that, that would be fun. Well, we could do it in the uh, CDs that we do. You know, you know. Yeah, yeah. Is Big Finish still got uh, jobs out there uh, for uh, for the for the actors and stuff like that? Sure, sure, sure. That's interesting. That's yeah. that's interesting. Anyway, well, I wanted, go ahead. Listen, guys, I I must run, uh, but. It was delightful to speak with you, Keith yeah, and Vicky and Tom. Really fun. And uh, thank you. Uh, look forward to uh, the podcast this weekend. It should be wonderful. Absolutely. And, um, Tom, uh, we didn't speak about Robert Rodin, but a wonderful, wonderful man and lovely yes. and fun. And unfortunately, Eve hated him and so didn't want anything. <laughs> so it goes. <laughs> but Marie, uh, as a, a person, liked liked uh, Bob very very much he was he was lovely and fun uh, as all the actors were but but he was he was quite special you could so. tell you guys were really close friends there was yeah yeah we so interviewed that, him a few months ago nice. and uh, he was he was so nice with us yes uh, and, and anyway. you know but thank you very much Marie thank you. for you're very welcome and thank you and I do want to wish all of you a happy Easter and especially our fans Dark Shadows fans all, to all of you, have a wonderful, wonderful, happy and peaceful and uh, holiday and enjoy it all and be safe. Thank you so and much. Happy Easter to you. Happy Thank Easter. Thank you so you. much. Bye, guys. Bye. 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 And so, Vicki, what are you doing up to since last time we spoke to you? Not a whole lot, guys. Um, like I said, I've been going back and forth over. We're films and stuff we want to cover in the next season and whatnot just a lot of reading lately um well those couple of charities i've been trying to get back in the works because covid kind of screwed things up i did watch the whole four hours of justice league and did not didn't understand the, i kind of caught the epilogue but i didn't really get it i guess that's telling for something that's probably coming out soon um asher and me are waiting patiently to watch king kong versus godzilla next wednesday so everybody's waiting for that um i did watch uh the hammer film special i was talking to joe rondonzo about that it's called flesh and blood it's about uh all the hammer films and i had no idea that hammer made a lot of those films had no clue and i had no idea about the evolution of the frankenstein monster too i mean he looked like everything i think christopher lee being frankenstein was probably one of the most horrific guises i have ever seen of the frankenstein monster so if you get a chance to watch flesh and blood on um I believe it's on ifc i believe it's on ifc it's or imbd it's IFC. It was really good. And I watched Dead Silence with the creepy the oh, yeah. creepy puppet guys. I'm a, I, it takes a lot to scare me, but I don't do dolls and puppets. That movie freaked me right the hell out. I, I mean, I loved it, but I hated it because I don't do those ventriloquist dummy things. And then he had the, the, the face of the woman, the, 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 the gnarly ghost lady. Oh, my God. That was just freaking great. I loved it. And Joe, if you're listening, I did watch Kill Baby Kill, and I loved that too. So, um, other than that, just Asher's BMX season, and just trying to get back into life in here in Texas. So, and what about yourself, Tom? What are you doing up to? Well, uh, things are proceeding. I got my COVID vaccine a couple of Mondays ago. Uh, thank God, the first one I got Moderna, and. Uh, 
my uh, and Sharon, my fiance, uh, got her first one last Friday. And uh, so we're getting our second ones next month. And aside from a mild arm issue, you know, which is, which a lot of people get, you know, you get a little bit of a muscle stiffening, no more than if you were exercising. That's that's, not like I got hit with a lead pipe. I don't know. Was that the first one or the second one? Pipe in my arm. Was that the... The first, the first shot or the second, second shot? Both of them. Oh, both of them, you got hit like that. Yeah. Well, I'm not looking forward to the second shot because I hear I thought they go in. Let's just say that. Oh, God. Well, did they do it in the shoulder? Because if they do it in the shoulder, it's a little better because they've had, Keith can talk to that a little more. Well, but, you know, when you got all these people waiting in line to get vaccinated, you know. Ah, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, they sat us down. So We were in a car. Me. We were in the car thing with the cones. Oh, and, boy. You know, I go that way. Oh boy! Well, they, yeah. I lo- only lo- did it for my mother and father because I loved them so much. Mm-hmm. Other than that, I don't. Well, nothing, care not for you. Huh? Uh, <laughs> hopefully, you have something to do with this as well. Uh, but uh, no, it's good. Especially you had COVID already, didn't you? Okay. Yeah, I had it last yeah, year, so, towards yeah, the end so. of the year. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, me too. Me too. So uh, it is what it is. That, so- that that not not tasting and smelling shit that freaked me out. <laughs> it's like, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just glad it's over. Uh, at least it's over for me. Uh, yeah. So well, hopefully it'll be over. Yeah. For me. And Vicky and Vicky's taste still hasn't returned. Yeah, ah. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> if you were here, I would have breathed on you. But no, he doesn't catch Ooh. shit though. Ooh. I don't catch things. Well, he's probably got one of those is where his ancestors had the bubonic plague. And I hear that if you have that, you were not going to get COVID. So maybe that's why you didn't. Uh, you didn't. But anyway, he's working uh, in a hospital. You're so yeah, that that's yeah, like Scott. Yeah, he doesn't yeah, catch yeah. anything. He didn't even catch COVID. Everybody's getting COVID around him. Man, just like immune. Well, <laughs> it's like, what yeah. is this? Well, there are some people, that, that, thankfully. Stop anyway, um, so what else? The, uh, there's something that, very interesting that uh, Sharon and I saw called the hospital, London Hospital, London Hospital, which is on BritBox. And it was a mini series regarding the London Hospital as it was in the turn of the last century. And uh, very, very well acted, very, very stylish, some really good, uh, some really good medical stuff. Um, when everybody was breathing on everybody else, infections were rampant. One out of five people yeah. were dying. Uh, you good had, you had, oh, the good old days when, <laughs> when 10 year olds were prostitutes and, and all that, and all that good stuff. Uh-huh. And, you yeah. can only go back. You got old quicker back then. <laughs> YOLO. Yeah, right. <laughs> we can only go back. Those days, my friend. Only go back so far. They never end. <laughs> 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 I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it yet, but uh, the Irregulars is starting today. I think yep, I'm going to watch that. I heard of that. But brief yeah. me really quick. It's it's the it's it's the Baker Street Irregulars, the Sherlock Holmes little, little oh, ragamuffins. Okay, I'm going to write that down. But this is with a horror bent, and they go after horror cases. And Holmes and Watson. That's on BritBox. No, Netflix. No, no, let Netflix. Oh, Netflix. Netflix. Okay. That's Netflix. Thank you. And uh, and and Sherlock and Watson are on there, but they take a backseat to the irregular team in Victorian London. So that ought to be very interesting. Very cool. I'll check it out. Also, this new series which I haven't seen yet called Clarice, which I think I saw is, that. Didn't uh, watch it. Though. 
Oh, yeah. How was it? How was it? I haven't seen it. I just um, know it's about my my housemate's watching and he really likes it. It's like, um, yeah, he's enjoying it. So yeah, so that's a, so, so I figured it'd are... be a hard act to follow. I don't know. They did they did Hannibal, which is mm-hmm. also based on the right. um, mm-hmm. Silence of the Lambs universe, and that, mm-hmm. Hannibal was excellent. Pretty I good. Really liked it. Oh, okay. Yeah, they had that yeah, for a really few years. A so uh, you know that uh, that of course, and uh, and I'm finishing. Sharon and I are finishing the Jeremy Brett Sherlock Holmes, which is absolutely. I mean, he is sine qua non. Uh, he even replaces Rathbone. Although there are fans that will say that uh, right. what's what's his name, the Benedict Cumberbatch from Sherlock is the is the guy to watch. Right. But uh, but Jeremy Brett, unbelievable because they do those episodes. I'm a Sherlock Holmes fan. Uh, looked at the 56 short stories, four novels when I was a kid. So I'm, I was really into the fandom when I was back then. And and, and it's really done true to form. Uh, it's a shame that Jeremy Brett passed away when he did uh, congestive heart failure at, I think, 60, age 61. He was young. Uh, but those are very, very, but, but I recommend that for anybody who's into detective. And, and there's even one episode called The Adventure of the, well, they call it The Last Vampire for the show. Uh, but it's from the Doyle short story, The Adventure of the Sussex Vampire. Uh, and they did a very, they did a very, they, they enlarged upon it. It's a two hour episode and they did a number of them. They're very, very good. Uh, so I recommend that highly. So, and schoolwork, of course, is proceeding. And uh, I'm uh, in, there are a couple of job opportunities I'm looking into. So that's where I am. Oh, before I forget, I posted it for everybody. We all like those crime stories and stuff. Now the name is eluding me. He played on American Horror Story. He's going to be Jeffrey Domner. The crazy kid. Oh, okay. What's um, his name? Evan Peters. Yes, yes. He's going to play Evan Jeffrey Peters? Domner. Look, I can't wait for it to come out. It looks really good. So, Absolutely. And myself, well, I had this week off, so I was able to catch up on all our editing of our episodes. <laughs> so sorry for people who are waiting for those, but they're all up and we're up to date now. Um, we also um, have now edited together the Easter special interview with Chris yes. Penick, which will be out on Good Friday. Yes. Um, we'll be out the day before our classic novels, which will be um, Jonathan Swift's Gulliver's Travels and the Three Worlds of Gulliver that we'll be covering. So it'll be out on the Good Friday. Our regular episode will be out on a Saturday. Um, and let's see what else. Oh, I've been watching some interesting stuff on Netflix. I've been going for and I've been going for more independent kind of films. So I watched this fantastic film called Tucked about this um, old drag queen who's 75 years old, who's got cancer and he takes under his wing, this young guy. Beautiful, really well done. What's it, it called? Tucked. I didn't see that. On that. Maybe some, we have some, of the, some of the best acting I've ever seen. It's oh, only like an yeah. hour and 10, 15 minutes. It's excellent. And I saw this other one called Other People about this boy who goes home and it has Molly Shannon and she's dying of cancer. So it basically wow. covers once a month, one day a month until she passes and the relationship within the family. Beautiful, funny, sad, yeah. but but brilliant. It's uh, Molly Shannon is brilliant. Saturday Night think. Live, right? Wasn't she on Saturday yeah. Night Live? Yeah. yeah, I remember her. Yeah, the sweaty balls sketch. With, yeah. Uh, yeah. Is, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, she's good. She's but good. also has the um guy from West Wing in it as well. The um the, the ginger haired one. I can't remember his name, what his actor is. Oh, uh, I know who you're talking about. Um Oh God, Josh, Josh. Yeah, Josh. I, yeah, yeah. Uh, Bradley Whitford. 
Bradley yeah, Whitford. That's it. He's, yeah, excellent. He's, I love, I loved West Wing. God Almighty, West Wing was such a, and of course they have West Wing podcast galore uh, on Podbean, uh, but uh, they actually have uh, the Actors Fund goes on YouTube and they interview the casts of various shows now to get back together and then right. ever since Broadway went dark in order to get you know in order to get donations for the Actors Fund they did a West Wing uh, they've done Little House in the Prairie. For some strange reason, they're a little house in the prairie fans. I like Little House in the Prairie, but I just can't imagine yeah. doing I just, that at the, all. The Reverend, the God Reverend, me, I know. The Reverend <laughs> cracked me up, and I want to thank everybody coming to the sermon. Oh, he was, he was. I think we talked about that last time, but uh, they did Little House in the Prairie. They did all kinds of. They, they, they brought a lot of people back together, which uh, you know, just to, just to talk and. Actually, to skew from um, Little House on the Prairie, Michael Landon's son, Christopher Landon's new movie called Freaky, watch that. That was excellent as well. Oh, oh really? I yeah. remember Michael I'm Landon's contribution. find contrib- these things and bookmark everything as you're telling me. I remember Michael Landon's contribution to horror, the uh, werewolf. Um, I, I, was I was a teenage werewolf. werewolf. I was a teenage yeah. werewolf, which uh, was a, it's a nice little campy classic. Um, Christopher Landon also did um, Happy Death Day and Happy Death Day to You. Um, oh, okay. I love those movies. I like the first one a whole lot better than the other ones, though. Yeah, yeah. First one was he, great. He writes, one. And, he writes and directs now, so yeah. So I got freaky a call. So. Yeah, I love Happy Death Day. Yeah. And I watched the new Wrong Turn film, which I really liked a lot. I watched that, so. too. I kind of like the older one a little better. Um, I like the simple fact that... Um, that what they've taken was they could have remade it and just done it like a painful, the same thing. Yeah. It was a definitely a different story, but, but I like it. I like it that it's basically the same, but like another chapter in another place. Yeah. And I, and that's I, I a quite, good way to explain it. And I quite like the idea that, you know, when a bunch of SJWs get killed, it's always good by me. So, <laughs> so, but yeah, so I quite like that. And then, yeah, I've just been taking it easy, catching up, finishing off my TV series and stuff like that, which now I'm ready for a brand new course of television to watch. So, yeah, I'm counting on that too. And I'll probably springboard that with the regulars, but I'm, I still, um, the one about the train, a snow piercer. I, I still I, gotta write that down. I keep meaning to watch that and I totally keep forgetting to do I that. I recommend everyone watch Snowpiercer. It's set in the future. It's not kind of a science fiction-y um, about the world's been turned under ice and the social class systems on a train. So it's very, very good. Can be a bit violent at times, but it's very, very good. Right. So, but other than that, yeah, just carrying on. I got in, uh, I'm back to work on Thursday at my new office. So I've been moved to an office and I'm now just one, my seventh employee of the year um, award at work. So yeah, they only knew you like I did. Yes. Another 30 pound gift voucher for Marks and Spencer's <laughs> and a paper, <laughs> and a, and a, a, a photocopy certificate with my name written on it and some ballpoint pen. <laughs> Yay. And which costs 60 cents to put on the computer. You know, that's how yeah, that's Cause you should put your name under it. It says Akeem. <laughs> 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 is your office bigger than the uh, one you had or uh... um i have a window now it's the first time i've had a window in 30 years oh my god so. that's so important so i got a window congratulations yeah. what is it overlooking it's overlooking um limehouse 
actually <laughs> overlooking the gym are the um <laughs> hospital gym so I'll, be able to see, I'll see who's exercising who isn't sort of thing oh there you go you just get a, get, get a pair of binoculars you know well i'm going to get one of those time lapse um um cameras and put it out there so i can see see if people are gaining oh, weight or oh, losing weight you can blackmail people you know it's wonderful yeah. you got a new career there that'd be great yeah. yeah so yeah so it looks like um april will be a brand new time for when i go back to work so that'd be good and then i think um shielding patients um and shielding people ends here on the 31st so everyone has to go back to work and we start opening up soon so right good deal so you got so you're uh, at a lockdown as of april then um april 19th the end of lockdown shielding people have to all get out of their houses on the first of april so there's no more furlough there's no more everything everyone has to go back to work. cross your so. fingers yeah new york city is going back to their office the new york city city of new york is going back to their offices may 3rd Poor new york city the once great new york city Good. now a pile of rubble god <laughs> I'm glad you didn't say that when Marie was on, uh, but because uh, because that's her love. But uh, love New York. I used to live there. I just uh, I'm talking about New York City. I love New York. Yeah, that's right. Or we could break out into Frank Sinatra. Uh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, no, no, I, I, I don't know. I think it's too early, but we'll see what happens. Well, let's see what happens. I mean, life's got to get back to normality. I mean, the good thing about here is by July, all citizens of the UK be vaccinated it's by the july so so that's good so we're well, that's um, good it's, ca- that's it's good. causing a bit of conflict with europe but i think i mean that's always gonna be a pissing match between europe and britain because of brexit so that's never gonna change so it's good to see yeah there's the always gonna be there's always gonna be something what's oh. the popular vaccine in uh, the uk keith is that um five both of them pfizer the oxford one well we call it the oxford one what you call astrazeneca or something yeah, no. we, we yeah, but those ones are well i know pfizer is but they say that the astrazeneca and the johnson and johnson aren't near as effective as the other two um i'm not quite sure we, we're not gonna get the johnson and johnson over here the uk's veto that if we come over here so we're not getting that one for whatever reasons um, the Oxford one, I mean, there are some negative press going on about the Oxford one, about blood clots and stuff. But I think what people need to realize, they're not talking about the vaccine. The Oxford one, or the Zeneca one, it, they're they're coming out with a pill. They're thinking about I doing saw it that. pill format. And it's the pill format that they're having a bit of side effects in the, in the, the, the trials at the moment. I saw so when, that. So when you're reading that, they're talking about the trials of the pill, not the actual vaccine. So Right. I, I was reading something about that yesterday. It's the first time I've heard about it. Interesting. Yeah. So they're going to try to um, so they're going to try to get it into pill format so that hopefully if this is going to end up being a yearly thing, that basically everyone would just drop a pill once a year sort of thing. But it's being looked at. We'll see what the next right. year brings. Sort of thing. I'm sure the pharmaceutical companies are really happy about it. Yeah, I'm sure that they'll rake, they'll, sure they'll rake us over the coals for that. Oh, pharmaceuticals, they're making billions. What are you talking about? Nobody right deserves there. to be that rich. I don't care. Who needs I'll just never understand the, Tell the CEOs that. of greed. Well, I mean, you know, to play devil's advocate, the thing about pharmaceutical companies is, is that if you want the best scientists working for you, you're going to have to pay them. I know that CEOs, I know. Are, ma- I know that CEOs are making money. Don't get me wrong. I'm not. I know the fist. But at the same time, it's still going to cost a lot. Let's so say the CEOs weren't making that much money and they they control them. You're still going to want to get the best scientists working. Right. For you, well, yeah, that that's a given. But the CEOs, yeah. nobody deserves that kind of money. Well, I mean, CEOs for anything, whether it's a charity or anything, loads of money. I mean, I know a, 
a friend of mine who used to work for Amnesty International and the CEO for that company in the UK <laughs> never went anywhere unless it was a lim- limo car. Yeah, I believe uh, that. You know, and every well, year they would trash their offices and get brand new computers, equipment, and brand new desk and everything and take everything that they had and throw it in the garbage. They didn't even donate it. So. It's a totally different business now, but voiceovers years ago, 30, 40 years ago, uh, the ones who were doing well insisted on being taken in cars to the uh, studios where they recorded. That, that's gone now, or, you know, because the world has changed with uh, doing voiceovers from your home and you have to be an audio engineer mm-hmm. in addition to an artist in order to do that. But years ago, uh, if, you, if you were good, uh, you, you know, that, that, was, that was part of the deal. So there it is. There it is. Yeah, the world has moved on. Yep. So that now brings us to the blooper section of our podcast. I'll take, take it away, Tom. Hello, everybody. Tom Diamond here for Literary License Podcast. We are here to go over episodes 506 to 524 in the Dark Shadows retrospective. Before I begin this and talk about the stars, uh, we do want to memorialize the fact that Robert Rodan uh, passed away uh, according to Shadowgram and Marcy Robin on the 26th of March and that was exactly the day that we were taping the regular installment of these episodes for the podcast we did I did not know about it until after the podcast that night uh, I am taping this segment the next day which we usually do either we tape bef- we tape certain segments before or after uh, and that's for the benefit of the fans so pl- condolences to Robert Rodan's family uh, it's especially poignant since he is on a number of episodes in this block is a pivotal character uh, as Adam and uh, we also have Marie Wallace as guest star, and she was talking to us about uh, her reminiscences uh, with Robert. Um, I spoke with his son early this morning. Uh, Jordan uh, was very appreciative of the interview that the podcast did with Robert seven months ago. And Robert listened to that, and he was very happy uh, that that came off. So once again, rest in peace, Robert. So moving on to the stars of this block. Okay, the big new appearance here is the start of Humpert Allen Estrado, who plays Nicholas Blair and will go on to play other characters during the series run. Uh, Humpert Allen Estrado was in episodes 521, 522, and 523. He was born April 4th, 1929 in Pasadena, California. Passed away February 19th, 2016 in Guilford, Connecticut. Moving on. Uh, this, This block is notable because four actors went on to do double duty in reprising two roles uh, that they were noted for, one for the present and the one for the 1795 block. Jerry Lacey uh, portrays Tony Peterson in this block and comes on as Reverend Trask, the ghost of Reverend Trask, uh, in this block who makes an appearance and wows us all with his I abjure the old serpent 
etc., etc. In episodes 509, 510, 511, 512, 513, 516, and 519, among others. Joel Cravers does double duty as Nathan Forbes from the 1795 block, The Ghost of Nathan Forbes, and Joe Haskell. Uh, in episodes 512, 513, 514, 516, 519, and 522. Roger Davis uh, comes on late in the block, portraying Jeff Clark and the ghost of uh, Peter Bradford uh, in, uh, in a dream sequence, and that's in episodes 523 and 524. And Joan Bennett, who is Liz, uh, is possessed by the spirit of Naomi due to Angelique's spell, and uh, she comes on in a few episodes uh, literally reprising the role of Naomi. Addison Powell, uh, or that is the uh, voiceover of uh, Dr. Lang from the tape recorder, uh, comes on in episode 506, only the first one he's on for that. Other than that, uh, you're going to see appearances from almost every character in the show, with the exception perhaps of Mrs. Johnson and son Harry, who's lurking somewhere in the attic doing who knows what. But uh, with the exception of those two, you have appearances from practically every cast member doing something or other. Thayer David is Stokes in 507, 510, 513, 518, and 521, among others. Uh, again, Robert Rodan, who appears in 508, 509, 512, 514, 515, 518, and 521. So David Ford does a good job as Sam Evans in episodes 508, 509, 512, 515, 517, and in 5018, you see the death of Sam Evans. Uh, again, he had a lot of problems with his lines at this point, and uh, they made him blind. They made the character blind in order so he could read off the teleprompter. And uh, that was, however, not enough to cause his death. But it's not the last time you see him as Sam Evans. He will come back as his, as, as his ghost in another episode, which will be in a later block. Techni- from a technical standpoint, John Weaver was the director of episode 509. That's the only time we see him. Episode 509, by the way, was preempted due to the assassination of Robert Kennedy, RFK, and uh, that was shown the next day. David Hennessy, as David, you'll see him in a number of episodes. Uh, now, the trial of Barnabas Collins, uh, presided by the ghost of Reverend Trask, who uh, has him walled up so that Jonathan can take a vacation for a week, uh, was done in episode 511. And you have a number of characters playing the ghosts of 1795 characters. Maggie Benson portrays the ghost of Maud Browning in 512, and that was formerly played by Valley Clifton in 1795. Jane Draper reprises her role as Suki Forbes, uh, or the ghost of Suki Forbes uh, for this episode. Timothy Gordon comes back as ghost of Jeremiah. Tom Gorman comes in as the ghost of Ezra Simpson, a crooked judge. And in 1795, uh, Tom Gorman, who was an extra, who was a blue whale extra in the, in this block, usually uh, portrays um, 
portrays the bartender of the Eagle in 1795, and now here he is in the same clothes and wig coming back as a judge. Natalie Norwick portrayed the ghost of Ruby Tate. Natalie Norwick is famous in the movies for her roles in 87th Precinct, Star Trek, the original series, and I'd like to see who she portrayed on that it doesn't come to mind right away. Uh, 23 Steps to Baker Street in 1956. Perry Mason, uh, Miracle on 34th Street, and Rebel Without a Cause. Catherine Lee Scott does some work as Maggie Evans in 513, 514, 515, 517, and 524. John Carlin does some duty as Willie Loomis in 514, 515, uh, 516, 522, and 506. That was a little out of the sequence. Florence Stanley uh, comes back as the voiceover of Josette crying in 515 and 516. Louis Edmonds is here doing a little work as Roger in 519, 521, and 522, among other episodes. Alexandra Moltke, Vicki Winters is here as 519 and 523, uh, portrays herself, and also in 524 uh, portrays a very brief cameo of herself in the dream sequence uh, during uh, uh, in 1795, along with Roger Davis and Joel Crothers. Uh, and, and finally, James Shannon. Uh, comes on, uh, reprises his role as the Gowler in the 1795 dream sequence. He played the Gowler during the 1795 flashback. Coming now to the bloopers. The bloopers here, while there aren't many, there are a few significant ones. And uh, I'm going to I'm not going to be going into the ones with the usual mic booms and shadows of mic booms on the wall and on the and by the fireplace and so forth. But there are some. But anyway, so the ones here in episode five oh six. So Carlin is Willie and Barnabas are in the cave looking for Adam, and as the scene ends, uh, Barnabas walks out of the cave looking at Willie is looking at him looking concerned and frightened and then Carlin I think thought that the camera was off so he broke character uh, and actually I'm going to change that because I think Fred was still Fred and Carlin were still talking so uh, Carlin thought the camera was off uh, he's his face changes from fear to he starts this he starts to laugh and he starts to talk to uh, Frid out of, out of character. In episode 507, you'll notice right away uh, the exposition when they're showing Colin with the... Now, this is not something you see often, but the music cue apparently was played at a higher rate of speed. Uh, and you could tell because it was playing in a higher key. So whoever was controlling the music stopped it and then started it again at normal speed while the uh, while they were still taping. And again, we uh, we talked about the mic boom. Uh, in, in, 
and this is in 507 once again. Uh, the dream curse, there, in the dream curse, uh, this time, there was no psychedelic visual effect in the beginning of the dream. Those things uh, are a ripoff from, if you guys remember, the Green Hornet, which was going on uh, at the particular time. is the same kind of uh, psychedelic effect that reminded you of a, of a bee. Uh, in 508, you can see... Well, you can see David Ford looking at the teleprompter, and uh, that's because, uh, once again, uh, he had problems reading it. Uh, he was blind uh, at one point, and uh, you, could, you, could, you could see he was always looking into the camera, always looking at the teleprompter. Uh, so it was even more noticeable, interestingly enough, after they made him blind. Uh, there was, uh, during the credits, and you really, really have to look closely uh, in the, uh, it's the old house drawing room, and you see the curtains. There's a hand moving behind the closed doors very fast, uh, and, and that's in the credits. Uh, and that was episode 508. 509, interestingly enough, was preempted because that was the day that Robert F. Kennedy was assassinated, and so it was aired the next day. Uh, Sam this one is kind of unclear so uh, so day before the Sam says I'm fed up I can be taken care of well uh, he's blind maybe he maybe he meant to say I'm fed up maybe I could take care of others uh, but I would think that if he's if he's there's obviously some conflict about his ability to be taken care of, but it's very nebulous. I I, I can't figure it out. Maybe you guys can. Five ten has a famous blooper in the credits. You guys should be looking at the credits more if you haven't been already for these. Thayer David during the credits walks on the stage with clothes wrapped around his arm. Uh, he did not know the camera was moving, uh, or I should say the camera was hot. When he walked onto the stage, he saw it, he, uh, he looked startled, and he hurriedly walked off the set in the opposite direction to the left. You're also going to see, and I think it was in 511, but you may see it in another episode, where the chroma key of Trask's ghost, uh, because the camera was shaking, uh, and uh, when the chroma key was superimposed onto the camera so the image of Trask goes, moves up and down uh, the moves up and down the scene uh, while he's talking. It's, 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 it's really very funny. A big thing in 511 is of course when Trask places Barnabas in the wall. Now remember the three quarters of the wall is boarded up so how is Trask going to fit Barnabas into the wall? Is he going to fold him like a pancake and, and put him in the, the, the quarter of the wall of the, that it's, that's broken into uh, over the top? It, uh, it, it doesn't make sense. Funny thing is that the skeleton, also in this episode, has scotch tape between the forehead and the cranium. Obviously, the top part was loose. And they put scotch tape to keep it together, but it really looked. Uh, it's not so. It's not often that you see a two hundred year old skeleton with scotch tape over the uh, over the skeleton's forehead. And if you look very closely, when uh, Jonathan is uh, uh, in in the wall with his hands above him, tied to the rope. Uh, you're going to see that he's wearing a pinky ring that has on the left hand that has nothing to do with uh, Barnabas. 
the the famous Barnabas ring is on the right hand. Uh, that pinky ring is Jonathan Frid's Yale University graduation ring. Uh, he received a, an MFA in Dramatic Arts from Yale, and so there is a tribute to Yale from Dark Shadows. Between episode 515 and 516 also, um, the last episode, the last scene of the uh, of prior episode, when uh, Willie stumbles into Maggie's room after Joe had beat him up uh, outside, and he sits down on the steps uh, in order to get his bearings. They restaged that scene in the first scene of the next episode, and this time Willie stumbles into the middle of the room and he falls down uh, by Maggie. A very, very big difference. Okay, so now in episode 516, uh, you've got the mausoleum scene where uh, Cassandra takes Liz uh, to try and convince her that she is Naomi, and he, she shows her Naomi's tombstone. The first scene that you see is a shot of uh, Naomi's tombstone uh, with the old date of it of 1821. And of course, we all know that Naomi committed suicide in 1796 or 1795, whichever one you want to say it, but definitely not till 1821. They never changed that one. So what they did uh, in the next episode, or the next scene, I should say, uh, was to put a piece of cardboard, a piece of blank cardboard, over the original stone. Uh, and And that was obviously to convey to Liz that Uh, She was Naomi, and she was going to die there. But the cardboard was loose, and you could see it peeling from the top. And Joan Bennett saw that uh, when she went into the room, and she put her hand against the cardboard while she was emoting uh, so that the cardboard (laughs) wouldn't fall off. And after a while, I think she got tired of leaning against the thing, and she had to take her hand away. And while the cardboard didn't fall off, you could definitely see the top of it had peeled off from the other stone. Also in 516, Alexandra Moltke, as Vicky, makes a very rare blooper. She sees the spirit of Trask, and she calls him Reverend Brand instead of Trask. Now, Reverend Brand had married Barnabas and Angelique in 1795, so that's a biggie. In 517, uh, it's the hospital scene with Sam is, and the IV on top of it, it looks like cherry syrup. Uh, It's a small IV with cherry syrup. And in the next episode, you see two IVs. That small IV is now empty, and the big IV has cherry syrup in it. And, of course, you could make the argument that uh, the small IV had already gone into his body system, uh, the, the contents of it anyway, but this was supposed to have happened right away. It wasn't hours later. So that's kind of hard to believe. In 518, you got a real biggie. So, once again, David Ford is sleeping in the hotel room. He thinks the camera is off at the end of the scene, and then you can see him. He he wake. He's seen to wake up, uh, breaks character, and he points backstage, directing that the cameraman, I believe, shift the camera. Then he realizes that the camera is on him. Uh, the other camera on him is still hot, and he starts to smile. 
519 has a great blooper. Trask is exercising Cassandra and gives his judge of the quick and the dead speech. And he has a surprise visitor, the Collinsport fly. The Collinsport fly lands on Trask's mouth while he's spouting all these exorcism. And Jerry Lacey does a great job of trying to pretend the fly isn't there. But the fly keeps going back and forth and tries to land on his lips. And Trask finally, and Jerry Lacey probably finally has to spit him off. And the fly then lands on Trask's right shoulder, and so the fly, the the Collinsport fly is a fan of Trask's elongated exorcism speech. Also look for Trask's tongue twister in episode 519. Thou suffering servant of Satan! <laughs> That's cute. Okay, in episode 520, that was the last one Joan Bennett was going to be in for a while. Her contract called for a long vacation since she was the movie star, so to speak, of the Dark Shadows. So while she um, did an affected uh, suicide attempt uh, as Naomi... Uh, having been um, having been hypnotized by Angelique into thinking she was Naomi, and uh, falling down in the tower uh, in front of Barnabas. Well, after that, she was out of the country for two months, and uh, my understanding was she came back nine weeks later to the show. Just like earlier, when Jonathan was walled up as Trask, uh, he wasn't seen for a week, so he probably took a week off. Now, I don't know whether that was either on vacation or because he had to go on tour. Because remember that they were making him run all across the country uh, at that point for uh, appearances as, uh, as Barnabas. So either one was uh, happening. Now, in 520 thereabouts, you're going to see, if you watch Amazon Prime, they talk about a blooper where a hand appears to close the front door of Collinwood as uh, Roger uh, goes into the drawing room. In actuality, something like that did not occur until the next episode, 421. And then it wasn't a hand closing the door. It was a hand opening the door. And uh, it was a male, and you could see he was wearing a short sleeve shirt while he did that. The sound effects now... Uh, Peter uh, Peter Prescott is seen as somebody doing the substitute sound effects. And I think a technical director is a Mike Stanislavski. Those sound effects were not the best, by the way. Uh, for one thing, uh, while you hear a knock in the cellar, and that's supposed to be Barnabas somehow trying to alert people uh, that he's uh, in the... Uh, that he's walled up. Now... It makes you wonder how he could knock at any place on the wall since his hands were tied to him and they were above him uh, and unless he was somehow able to maybe kick the wall with his with his foot and maybe maybe he did that but it's kind of hard to believe but he certainly didn't do it with his hands. Uh, also, uh, I, it may have been this episode or, or one just before it, but I think it was this one. If you look at the credits, uh, apparently the roller that runs the credits uh, uh, vertically froze, so the credits stopped. 
and uh, whoever it was couldn't get the credits rolling again, so then the credits disappear from the screen altogether, you hear the music, and then finally the uh, copyright comes on, and it's 1966, and of course this episode is in 1968. Also look, if you're really, really trivial, look in a couple of episodes on the credits uh, for the 1967 copyright, and all these episodes are done in 1968. Episode 521, Louis Edmonds makes a very rare blooper when, she's, when he's talking about Liz's attempted suicide, and he, she, and he says, she's the last person in the world who would think, who would think she's someone else. Well, I think that he, what he really meant was she's the last person in the world who would think of harming herself. Also, uh, as Roger goes into the drawing room, uh, Louis Edmonds does that, you see a hand moving in and out of the view. And finally, last but not least, probably the most famous blooper of the block, John Carlin is sitting down in the cellar while he's working, and uh, he looks up and he, and he emotes the line, this place gives me the willies. And Carlin then breaks up out of character, starts to laugh, and he says, the willies, that's funny. And as soon as he says that, to the left of him, a stagehand moves into the scene and moves out of the scene. And I think you also see uh, a grip. Uh, there may have been a... No, no, actually, I'm going to take that back. There isn't a mic. But those two things uh, come together. Carlin's breaking up and the, and the uh, guy moving in out of the scene. And Carlin once says, the willies, this, the, this place gives me the willies. That's funny. And they brilliantly tried to cover this up by doing, having Carlin do a voice over them which says, my life, that's funny. Uh, talking about Willie's life. But uh, I think that was basically damage control. Uh, this, that, this blooper is probably one of the best ones in the show. And that's it for this block. And we thank you very much for listening. And now let's get back to the show. Uh, But once again, Robert Rodin, rest in peace. You made a difference. I'm Vicki Ray. And I'm Keith Shago, and this is the Collinsport News. After Adam Swan dives off the cliff of Widow's Hill, Willie and Barnabas decide to go searching for the body. Willie complains of searching for a dead man and is totally distraught to the point that he must tell Carolyn about the dream he had. Yes, it can be confirmed that even though Carolyn is suffering from PTSD, being rescued by Adam from falling off Widow's Hill, and after that, she witnesses his leap from the infamous cliffs, Willie feels that he must share his dreams with Carolyn. Willie, always putting others before his own needs. After Willie shares the dream curse with Carolyn, Professor Stokes swoops in to save the day and tells Carolyn that he will be her dream guide. He tells her that she should experience the dream, but he will be there to ensure that she will not suffer from the traumatic side effects. He implements himself into the curse, so after Carolyn goes door to door, Professor Stokes is the one she must tell, which she does. 
Meanwhile, Professor Stoke then proceeds with the dream curse and confronts Angelique, letting her know that he has her number and that her days are numbered. She is not amused and a bit taken back as she has met her match in Professor Stokes. Meanwhile, Adam appears at the Evans's cottage where he finds Sam looking like one of the three blind mice from Shrek. Dark Shadow, stealing from Shelley's Frankenstein, recreates the blind being kind to the blind man as apparently only a blind man can understand the grunts and groans of a deeply scarred tall man who's made up of human parts. Adam responds to the kindness that the blind mouse, I mean, Sam Evans, offers Adam. Cassandra, a.k.a. Angelique, summons Tony, which, like a lapdog, comes to her. She tells him that he must poison and kill Professor Stokes, which he agrees to do. He will keep the poison in a very effeminate ring, which he will wear. Why anybody would think that Bogart impersonator will wear a woman's ring is beyond me, but he does agree. He shows up after some uncomfortable conversation. Tony tries to poison Stokes' drink, but Stokes, being the mastermind that he is, switches drinks, and Tony falls down poisoned. Stokes calls Julia to cure Tony. Julia can do pretty much anything. Julia shows up and magically restores Tony back to health. Stoke confronts Tony about Cassandra and they agree that they will stop her and that the best way to do this would be to hold a seance and contact Reverend Trask, which they discover that is in the old house basement. They decide that they will summon him back so he can wreak revenge on Angelique slash Cassandra. The seance is held at the old house with Julia, Professor Stokes, and a very uncomfortable Tony who thinks that this is all hogwash. Tony brings through Professor Trask. Wait, I forgot to fix that one. Cut. Tony brings through Trask and they tell him that the real witch is Angelique. Seance over, they depart and Reverend Trask ghost comes forth stating that he will get his revenge on Barnabas. We now learn a classic story that if everyone is not totally informed of the true history, that things can go awry. Trask ghost appears to Barnabas and they throw him back in time or through a dream, not quite sure, but in the cellar, the figures of the past come forth and hold a mock trial or a kangaroo court, finding Barnabas guilty. Barnabas' punishment is poetic justice, and he has to be walled up alive behind the wall, as he himself did to Trask. Angelique shows up at the Evans cottage to help push her dream curse along, and there she sees Professor Stokes, who isn't dead. She's a bit taken back by this revelation, but this will not stop her. Not this woman who is scorned. She runs back to Collinswood, Collinwood and summons Tony out to the garden or patio or whatever the fountain place is. Let's just probably say the most secluded place to meet a lover, considering that it is not right outside the house. Tony shows up. Cassandra is not happy about the failed attempt, but she gives him a kiss, which Elizabeth Stoddard catches. Tony leaves and Cassandra has one more thing to deal with. Cassandra goes into the house and plays coy with Elizabeth, tells her that she will... She will tell Roger of Cassandra's infidelities. Cassandra puts a curse on Elizabeth and tells her that she will be obsessed about death yet once again. Yes, Elizabeth will be in fear of death and get all morose, so here we go again. She walks through the house, bringing everyone down who speaks to her and eventually turns into Naomi and not being able to differentiate between the past and the present. Meanwhile, Adam shows up at the Evans cottage to spend time with his new blind friend, Sam, and scares Maggie. Adam doesn't like Maggie, and it all gets out of hand, with Adam so upset that he knocks blind Sam to the ground, causing him to be hospitalized. Let's just say that Sam's reading the auto cue and overreacting days are numbered. And Josette is doing her crying thing as she is as over-emotional in death as she 
After questioning Willie, they go down into the cellar and realize that Trask has had his revenge on Barnabas and find him behind the brick wall in the cellar. Willie tears down the wall to get Barnabas out. Cassandra goes to hospital to entice Sam into the dream curse, which he does. He must tell Victoria, and after many failed attempts, dies before he can share this with Victoria. Victoria feels guilty about not being there for Sam's last words, but don't worry, she's not that distraught because she gets past it pretty quick. Professor Stroke befriends Adam and decides that he will teach Adam how to read and become a better human. Adam is a quick learner, and he learns to read one-syllable words, although there are some words he'd rather not know and loses a temper with the flashcards when the offensive words take place. It seems that Adam's new school buddy is going to work well for him. Trask appears before Cassandra and calls her out as Angelique. Angelique is truly scared, and he ties her to the tree that Victoria was tied to back in 1795. He accuses her of being a witch, and then she disappears. While this is going on, Elizabeth, totally embracing the Naomi vibe, decides to let history repeat itself and takes poison. But luckily, Julia is on hand again to bring Elizabeth back to health, as she is now a specialist in poison control and how to treat people. Is it me? Is this block about people missing and searching and people being poisoned? There is definitely a theme this month. A mysterious man appears named Nicholas Blair, who says he's Cassandra's brother. Let's just say there's no family resemblance whatsoever, and he looks like one who is not to be trusted. Obviously, they lack any ability to read people and invite him in, and he makes himself at home. He questions about where his Cassandra is, and nobody seems to know or to care. While this is going on, Maggie is staying there to help her through the death of her father, though we see her go up the stairs with her suitcase, and then later we see Joe show up, and she leaves, so not really sure how long she's doing there or why. Anyway, she's not an active part of the storyline, so she's pretty much breezes in and out, but I can say one thing. She is over the death father pretty quick. Bye, Pops! Blair has an interest in the ugly painting of Angelique, which is now faded. She doesn't help the picture to look any better, but it is what it is. He tries to use the picture to locate her whereabouts, which doesn't help much. So then he turns to Tony after hearing the bitterness that Carolyn shared with him. He hypnotizes him and using the Julia technique gets information about Cassandra. Peter finally appears from being on the hunt of who he is. Trask ghost appears and he runs through it, which causes him to freak out. He goes back to the Evans cottage where he is still staying and dreams about Nathan Forrest who starts to slam the pieces of who he is back in place. He screams out in his sleep and wakes a sleeping Joe who is on the sofa wearing his shoes who wears her shoes to bed. Anyway, Peter wakes between sleep and reason and thinks Joe is Forbes and they fight until Peter snaps back to reality. Blair would like to take the picture from Victoria of his sister or Angelique and she refuses him as she doesn't trust him. Finally, someone has a little bit of sense. Blair is not happy, but he puts a spell on him, which causes Victoria to sleepwalk to the tree that she was tied up to in 1795. He realizes that this is the tree that Cassandra was exercised in, bringing us to the end of this story of missing people and poisoned people. And I'm Vicki Ray. And I'm Keith Shago, and this was the Collinsport News. Hello, welcome back to Literary License Podcast. We're discussing Dark Shadows, episode 504.
524. I got to put people. up a side. <laughs> no, it's 505 to 525. It's 506 to 524, according to the invite. So, well, I'm just, I'm just. Look at the invite. Look at the invite. Yeah, yeah. I'm just. We'll I don't give a shit. Numbers. We're just. Well, I do. Yeah. <laughs> so, Vicky, what are your thoughts of these episodes? Okay, these episodes. Well, these were kind of interesting episodes. <laughs> we still have the dream curse going on, actually. And and you got Willie, you know, Willie's got to tell Carolyn his dream. And nothing's worse than Willie having an anxiety attack about having to tell the dream curse, you know, to Carolyn, who's already suffering from PTSD because Adam tortured her kind of sort of because he almost dropped her off Widow's Hill. And even though... Uh, he saved her. She's still having issues, but everything happens to Carolyn. So, um, but then yeah, I, I thought it was interesting that Professor Stokes had to uh, uh, induce hypnosis with Carolyn so that she wouldn't suffer during her experiments, experiment, experience of her dream. And that way, I don't know what they were trying to change with that. They were trying to change something, I guess, where she didn't feel the need to tell anybody the dream curse. Um, basically, uh, it's for um, Stokes to actually have more control over the dream curse and to be able really to get didn't work. the dream curse. I thought, though, that was really an, a very interesting move to have Stokes say, I'm going to get into this dream. I'm going to break all the rules. Right. I'm going to say the, I'm going to say the riddle. I'm going to talk. I'm going to make the person who's the beckoner, who was Sam, talk to me. Uh, I'm going to, and then I'm going to make Angelica, who, you know, appear to me. And, and that's kind of, that's, uh, uh, and that, that rattled her. That, I mean, that really rattled her. Uh, that's, uh, you know, that, that's uh, something. And, and he temporarily was able to stop the dream curse from happening uh, because he apparently has the willpower to resist Angelique. And that's really the first time, he's unlike Ben. He's such a different person from his predecessor. And, right. and you know, Ben. Well, he well, Professor Stokes is the super intellectual who has confidence, very well, very familiar with his uh, with his uh, skill sets and uh, knows so much about the occult uh, that he feels like he'll he can take Angelique one uh, take her on one on one. And she's shocked. She she just figures, you know, uh, I command, I command. And he goes, no, you don't command. She makes Uh, it look so easy, too. What's that? He makes it look so easy with that lighter. If I had a lighter like that, I would just love to do that, people. That give me all your money. And a stick pin <laughs> and stuff like that. I have uh, to sit there and say that this block of episodes had two common themes running through the whole thing. People who were missing, people who were missing, people being looked for, and yeah. poisoned. People were being poisoned. Poisoned and, and looked for. You're exactly and, right. And Julia Hoffman is now the doctor of the poison. Poison. You go to her and she helps you out. Even when you're falling down the Julia, floor. Julia, Julia Hoffman can do anything. She is like the go-to medical doctor for just about anything. Any hospital would be proud to have Julia in it because she can. She's- She's a physician in residence. COVID, but- cancer, tuberculosis, <laughs> she slums it all. <laughs> Don't forget, though, we got the Mary Shelley retelling of Frankenstein going on. And mm-hmm. we've got Sam with those black glasses on. Oh, I can't Sam, take it, man. He, he, looks like, he looks like an extra from Shrek on Three Blind Mice. You know, Three Blind Mice in Shrek. <laughs> <laughs> it's like oh my god poor sam poor poor david ford 
And 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 I and I told this story last time, and now you can see they made him blind because he was having a problem reading. Reading his lines. the teleprompter, yeah. And so you can see he's always looking into the teleprompter, and that this is giving him free license to do that. But uh, the idea, the idea of pairing him with Adam and following up on that blind man Frankenstein from uh, the Bride of Frankenstein from Boris Karloff, so now. Uh, Sam is taking over the role of the old blind hermit, and 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 they really play it up to the. All know, I think about is Peter Boyle. Every time I see this scene, <laughs> I, I think of Young Frankenstein and Peter Boyle. I it's the only thing I see. That's all oh, I well. see. Well, I'll, well, I'll tell you. you. Like some soup. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. But but the difference here is that at the end, in order to protect Maggie, Sam attacks uh, Adam with the cane, which leads to Adam, if, you know, just throwing him on the floor, and that's you know, and that and that leads to Sam's death, right. uh, and that is where it deviates from nothing like a good caning. Uh, to keep well, you know, we already know that from Barnabas, you know. So, uh, well, I mean, another thing is, is that um, to go off script and talk about David Ford, is there any reason why, you know, what we're I'm speculating here, but but would him leaving Dark Shadows have anything to do with his failed marriage? Maybe that's the reason why, yeah, indirectly, yes. Um, he never quite got over. Uh, remember, uh, they got the divorce during the 1795 period, and he had to leave the role right. as Andre Dupre in order to chill out. And uh, that was, and then when he came back on, uh, he was never quite the same after that. He could never well, divorce get divorce is not a nice thing, it, it, oh, it's, it's really, really hard to well, deal with. But, you know, another thing is that it seemed like when he came back, it just seems like the production company or the production team kind of had a personal vendetta against them because let's face it i mean after after david ford after when david ford disappeared before he came back i mean let's look at what we've seen so far we've seen a lot of people hogging the teleprompter yeah (laughs) you know i mean we had you know we had dr lang hogging it yeah barnabas looking for it left right and center and we had quite a few people looking for it it. well no but i'm sitting there saying that we did you know we had other cast members looking for it and david ford's punishment to because he's looking for the teleprompters to put on dark glasses for him and you're thinking well, he wasn't any worse than anyone else on the show at that particular well, point in time. They're claiming, yeah, they're claiming he got so bad uh, that they that they did that. But but it was kind of a brilliant streak to pair him with Adam, though, and they gave an excuse. Right. But they really did want to get rid of him, and uh, that's why they they had him. But this is not the last time. We're not going to go into it. But right. this is not the last time you see him, even though he dies in this block. They had him on once more. Uh, and we'll probably see that in the next block or the block after I don't remember. Okay. But uh, but it's a shame because he was one of the originals. If you remember, we talked about it when he first yeah. came. Yeah. And he had the Broadway experience. Leela Swift loved him. And uh, along, with Thayer da- along with Thayer David, who came on also during that block and uh, that time. And, and he was he was stalwart. And, and to see what happened to him since then is is uh, was... I, I don't think he deserved it. 
I don't think he deserved to be treated. Well, I think a lot of thing is, is that even, even, though, even though he was married to Nancy Barrett, um, the thing is, though, they never had really any scenes together. So it no. was pretty easy no, to separate, keep, keep didn't. them separated. So it's not like they had to yep. work together. It's not well, like, they must have been having problems like early on because you hardly ever seen them in a scene together. Yeah, well, yeah, I'm no, saying it's, it's, very, it's very, very rare. I mean, the only time that you would see them in a scene together tend to be at the Blue Royal. And because Maggie was there and he's like, oh, come to get pops or, you know, or yeah. Maggie, yep. what are you doing here? And then yep. Yep. Nancy, would, you know, um, and Carolyn happened to be there with Joe at the time. But that's the only time you had scenes together. So it just seemed a bit odd to, yeah, that there would be, you know, to the point that, what, that would be affected him. Those? No, they got buried during dark. During, shadows. well, see there, you, there you have it. That stuff never works out usually. Yeah, but I'm saying that. But the thing is, is that I was, you know, personally speaking, is like I can understand if let's let's say that Carolyn married Louis Edmonds. Let's say those two married, and the thing is, they have scenes together and everything like that. And I can understand why there would be a problem there after a divorce. But these right. people barely having barely had yeah. scenes together. You know? It was a good thing too, because I think you know. Otherwise, you never know. Some people just, you know, they, it's it's devastating for some. And oh, absolutely, absolutely. And there's and there's no doubt of that. But I I, I think that what really when you marry too young, marry someone younger than you. Yeah. <laughs> I, I do well, want to. There. <laughs> I do want to interject, uh, and before I forget, uh, to say that there are two things going on in the current world of dark shadows. Uh, and one of it is the untimely passing of Joffrey Scott a few weeks ago. Joffrey Scott, uh, for the new fans, there's going to be a segment called Parallel Time, which is an alternate universe treatment of Dark Shadows in Collinwood, which we're going to be getting to. And that's a mind blower because every, because all the characters are there, but they have made different decisions with their lives. Uh, Joffrey Scott uh, was a heavy uh, so to speak, on the show, he was the wife of Angelique. He was a wife. He was the husband of Angelique. I don't think he was a wife. He was the husband of Angelique uh, in parallel time. Uh, but he was also into a lot of voiceovers. He did a lot of movies and stuff like that. And so rest in peace uh, to him. Uh, and uh, the, the other thing, uh, next Friday, April 2nd, uh, is a date that will live in infamy because that is the date of the last episode that Dark Shadows aired back in 18, April 2nd, 1971. So it's the 50th anniversary of the last... Yeah, that seems like ages ago now, doesn't it? Uh, but it's a, it's, a, it's a biggie. I mean, you know, talk about... Oh, I'll talk more about my feelings about that when when we're getting to the... Uh, well, we're getting to the Dana Mall here, but uh, I was depressed for a month when that ended, uh, and it was replaced with password reruns. I remember, uh, password. I vaguely remember that <laughs> coming on. Vaguely remember that coming on. Yeah, I'm like, I, I couldn't believe it. Like the next more, the next Monday, I, got on. I always hate seeing the end of a show like that. I mean, expected. it's just so hard for some people. It's like, damn. It's, Oh, terrible. It's terrible. I mean, you, 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 I couldn't believe it. I expected to get on the following Monday and see another episode of The Dark Shadows, and I saw Alan Ludden, and I'm like, whoa, who the hell wants to watch Like Alan Star Ludden? Trek fans. Star Trek fans yeah. were livid. Yeah, but I also think that, I mean, you know, we will get this, get to it eventually, but The Dark Shadows ending is probably one of the worst finales ever. It was very unfortunate. Very, I, I have to agree with you. It was very unfortunate, but uh, that's a... But anyway, um... We got a lot of time before we get to that. 
They're having a Zoom party on uh, darkshadowseveryday.com, one word, uh, which uh, has a great blog with all the trivia, episode by episode breakdown of all the shows. And I've, uh, and I've quoted uh, from time to time uh, from, their, from their website. They're having a Zoom party uh, next Friday at 8 p.m. Eastern time. And if you're interested, and if any of the fans are interested, please go to that website, seek out Danny Horn, who's the uh, head honcho, and he will send you the, or he will have sent, he will have the link sent to you to go to that party. Uh, but, uh, so I just thought I'd get that in. But Vicky, uh, I, I didn't want to interrupt you. Did you have anything that you else that you wanted to talk about? No, I, I figured we always get off on our tangent and go into the storyline. I just thought it was an interesting block because you got Angelique summoning Tony and he's, mm-hmm. you know, her perpetual mm-hmm. lab dog now. You got Julia showing up and restoring Tony back to health because he takes poison. You know, mm-hmm. just like if there's a seance and you got Trask being brought back from the dead. That's the biggie. That's, that's, that, that, that's the, the, yeah. And you got Barnabas being walled up in his stead. And, right. I mean, just so many different things happen in this. It's, it's a great block, though. I, I agree. Uh, the biggie for me, well, it's a one-two punch. And the first, obviously, is the Trask, bringing back Trask and having that that trial where, you know, that we get to see Maud Browning and Ruby Tate uh, were played by different actresses. Uh, But uh, Suki Forbes, Jane Draper reprises her role as Suki Forbes uh, for that, for that one. You see Nathan Forbes come on back again. It's uh, it's a, it's, it's a lineup. Uh, and as you guys say in Britain, Keith, it's an identity parade. They could have done uh, better with the skeleton, though, because you could tell it was a medical skeleton because it had that line right here. Well, did you see the, the Scotch head. tape? Did you see the Scotch tape on Trask's medical uh, skeleton forehead? Come on, they, <laughs> they 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 couldn't keep the head together on the between the head and the rest, and they put a piece of oh, man. on them. Oh, that was wonderful. There was a lot to laugh at in this block episode. This episode oh, oh, bloopers? So. Oh, no, you had a few. You didn't have a lot, but you had... But, the, but they the were lo- good. But the, Yeah, but the lovely thing is Trask with his, by the judge of the quicked. He yeah. very lacy emotes like crazy. He's and, so Bogardian. What's that? He's like, he just reminds me of Bogart. I don't know why. He just well, you know, that's you're you're on the you're on spot there because there was there was a scene right down to the the coat. Yeah, there's a scene where he's he's as Tony Peterson. He's peering into the into the drawing room of Collinwood, where you know, and Carolyn is. Uh, he's looking at Carolyn, and you see him from the back. It's like bogey. I mean, it's yeah. like bogey yeah. in a detective novel. But poor, but poor Tony Peterson. Unlike bogey, who takes control of everything, like the most. Tony P- Tony Peterson is under Angelique's control, and Tony Peterson. I mean, bogey would be turning over in his grave if he saw what was happening to the to the to the Tony Peterson. Right. But but if we the, ever if we ever interview Jerry Lacey, I want him to say oh. in a Bogart st- style. Um, Pork chops and applesauce. Pork chops and applesauce. <laughs> 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 Poor Angelique in this block of films. I totally love Laura. She's just 
such a beautiful woman, beautiful Sandra. actress, but I hate this black wig. I don't like the brunette on her. It, it just drives me. Well, you do see her as as Angelique's yeah, um, the, the, the dream curse uh, when Stokes controls. Well, she her. pops in as as Angelique here and there yes, as yes, our beautiful blonde right. Angelique, but yes, I just right. I don't. I guess I would have. I just don't do. I quite. I quite. I actually quite like what I like her. What I like about the dark wig, her is Cassandra, is that it brings. It's like when when she's Angelique, there's a there's an angelic vision of her that you do right. see. You know, there, there's like the wide eyes and and the, the fresh it's like Jeannie's sister or Samantha's sister. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. But, but when she wears a dark wig, the thing is, the there's cousins, this the there is this like yeah. devilish look, twink into her eye that she has when she plays Cassandra there's like this this then it's kind of weird because her face kind of changes a little bit which is quite which I quite like it's like as her her as Cassandra and I understand why but I understand why she has the words are what she's two she's two verses she can't come in looking like Angelique hi I'm I'm Cassandra now so I understand the reasoning behind that we're also introduced to Blair you know her that's the other thing the one-two punch so what a weirdo I mean, tell me he doesn't look like that normally, and that's just makeup. No, no he did. Well, part of it's makeup, but uh, the, the widow's peak and all that. He was the oh devil incarnate. I'm trying to figure out, out what he reminds me of. There's somebody, I just can't put my thumb on it. Humper but he's just, he just yeah. evil, and everybody is so gullible. Right. On the show, everybody just, oh, yes, this is so-and-so's brother. Keith could walk in and say he's Angelique's brother. Oh, come on in. Yeah, oh, I mean, th- there is a lack of a family resemblance with... Uh, oh, of course. Oh Except that they both have, they're both brunette, and that's about it. That yeah. it. Yeah. But, but we but, do find out that Nicholas Blair, what, who, what, what, I mean, I guess we should say not this not in this block. We'll find out what he is. Not yes, who he is, but yes, what yes. he is. Yeah, we'll, find well we already later. get the nuances of that he's not of this world. We we know that he's, in fact, Barnabas says this is Angelique's spirit brother, so to speak. Yeah. And so they, you know, we know that he's associated with the devil. But that's the one-two punch. Trask is the one, mm-hmm. and Humpert Allen is straight up. And a really marvelous, he he seized on that. Yeah, evil. he does. He but, does. But, but more than that, it's a, it's, it's, a, it's a lot of double entendres, double meanings there. And I love, and I love the confrontation between Nicholas and Trask, where yeah. you know, and, and Nicholas says, "You were a thief. You were, uh, you were, a, you were hypocritical. You were an ingrate. You were, you, you, and but you're a man after my own heart." Yeah, he was <laughs> an evil clergy member. Let's let's remember, you know, in 1795, he was not a nice, upstanding kind of guy. So. No, but 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 Nicholas admires that. In yeah, well, of course he's evil. But but he's still got to meet and and Trask Trask steps up to the plate. Trask says, "Here is my cross," and yeah. he goes, "We'll meet again." You know yeah. that kind of you know that kind of thing. And then again, uh, if you're a clergy person in that time period and your your congregations um, told through you know brimfire and sin and that, that's what you're selling you're and the thing is you, you need to always prove your point about how evil people are so you're never going to be a good person are you no you know any person that sits there and looks looks for fault in everyone around them to make themselves look better is always going to be a bad person and that's right. what reverend, reverend trask was isn't it but make everyone look bad because that makes me look more pure but you know the thing is people who do that when you look at them 
it's to, it's deflect, isn't it? Let's deflect for myself. I'm going to make you look at everyone else because if you look at me, I'm probably the most evil person here. Right, right. And we won't we won't disagree with you there, Keith. Uh, but uh, no, but seriously, um, I think uh, the the one thing that the, that the tra- but even there, the funniest blooper was in the middle of his exorcism speech, and you get a visit from the Collinsport fly. Oh uh, yeah! <laughs> who who he had to he had to he landed on the guy's mouth and he had to he had to spit him off while I he's doing it, while he's doing it and what happened the Collinsport fly then lands on his shoulder if you look if you if you stop the video and for the rest of Trask's exorcism speech the Collinsport fly was his biggest fan look listen look on his shoulder listening to him listening to him mouth off and pontificate. But uh, the and we know uh, what flies are attracted to, honey. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, that. Oh, okay. <laughs> See, I don't think of those. Uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, it, it, I think that that's what gives this the pizzazz between between we we love to see Trask coming, you know. And we get another chance to see him spout off at the mouth and finally exercise Angelique, or so he thinks, uh, in terms of making up for Vicky's. Um, and in addition, you've got, again, the double roles. So Lacey is doing Peterson and Trask. And in fact, Trask, uh, during the seance, Trask, uh, Trask's spirit goes into Peterson, which is a natural. Um, uh, Roger Davis, who was only on a couple of episodes, but you've got Peter Bradford and Roger Davis, uh, or Peter Bradford and Jeff Clark. Uh, Joe Crothers. Also now, Joe Crothers is Nathan Forbes and um, Nathan Forbes and Haskell. And, and in the last episode, in the last episode where he's, uh, where Jeff has the dream with uh, Forbes and, uh, and Peter Bradford attacks Forbes, you know, once again, so there's this connection uh, that the writers want the fans to establish between the 1795. Oh, and before I forget, Joan Bennett, who Angelique cast the death curse on, and that you're going to see for a, long, for, for a little while. She actually, Joan Bennett took nine, uh, took nine weeks off. So after the after the show where she drops where she drops in the tower room, you don't see her for nine weeks because she's got no, you John don't. Bennett, yeah, yeah Joan's gallivanting in Europe for uh, for nine weeks after that. Uh, but yeah, um, I kind of wish they kind of went. I mean, I like the Naomi, um, you know, the, the mm-hmm. Naomi thing. Mm-hmm. I don't like the thing about her. It oh, always crazy. drives me. No, the whole thing about her being obsessed with death because it's like because that seems like to be like we could well it seemed to be like the go-to for her because too we do long. see this over and over with her <laughs> like yeah because we saw yeah because we saw yeah. it we saw it again when um you know when her, she thought her husband was buried in the um yeah right right this is the like cellar. the third three's the charm i guess i don't know yeah. this is that I think was, we i think yeah. to be honest i do think we end up seeing her go through this again at some point again so. yes we will and uh she's um, and they did that they just really milked that too thin and that maybe might have been one of the only weaknesses uh, i did like to see her as naomi again because i yeah, do, I do like enjoy right. the 
you know, and she's and this time she's standing up to who she thinks is Joshua. Now you remember in 1795 she was meek and did whatever she was told, with the with few exceptions. But here she's giving she's giving who she thinks is Joshua hell and high water. And uh, all poor Roger can do is say, Liz, it's me, it's Roger. Don't do this to us, Liz. You know, and she's, uh, you know, and uh, but and she does, and she doesn't care. Uh, so I think that's that's a that's this a. a like, of, this is this time in the sanitarium, isn't it? What's that? Didn't they lock her? Didn't they lock her away earlier, previously? Yeah. Isn't this, isn't yeah, this um, Elizabeth's second time in the sanitarium? <laughs> Well, that's uh, what do you, you mean, uh, Naomi? Yeah, no, well, no, no. I'm talking about um, um, well, Elizabeth's daughter. Didn't they? Because then, because she went away to wouldn't didn't they put her away in a hospital? Well, that, no, no, that, she just yeah. that was the it's hospital. The hospital. And, hospital, and yes, they did that with Laura. They did when Laura put a curse on Liz during the first. Yeah, and this is really a repeat of this. Laura put a curse mm-hmm. on Liz, and Liz wound up being that's comatose right, the, Phoenix, the hospital. Yeah. For a little while, and now you've got really a repeat of this. This time, Angelique is is doing the is doing the job. But the one step further is she's reverting her to to Naomi, and yeah. uh, and that's and that's where you see that. But again, that's emblematic of what they do in this block. They are now giving at least three or four actors uh, the chance to do double roles, and this is something that was never done in the soap opera before. Uh, if you think of the ones that, you know, where they have enough problems playing single roles. Uh, and, uh, and, and there's, and there's, and there's also a lot of Broadway, you know, the, uh, you know, they have the, when they had the trial and they had the ghosts come on, uh, you, re- you see the, you see the, you see the actors disappearing, going off stage as they're concentrating on Barnabas and, uh, and and uh, Trask, and that is part of the Broadway. That is part of the Broadway thing where they would go off, uh, you know. So you see the, so you see how Broadway is influenced uh, in terms of that. Keith? I do, yeah. I mean, I do, I do like the, um, you know, Elizabeth becoming Naomi. I do like that. I just kind of wish that maybe instead of um, her being preoccupied with death, they could have been like. She about loss and the loss of everyone around her. Okay. That kind of thing. I probably would have liked that. They just went a little bit outside the box. Like, okay, well, you know, yeah. Oh, let's just do this. You did it so well for, let's just do this again, sort of thing. And talking about the mausoleum, the great builder, I mean, at first, when you first see the mausoleum again, it's with Naomi's tombstone, the way it was originally done. And they had the wrong date of 1831. And then the very next show, it's a blank tombstone. What they did was to put some cardboard or something over the actual one to make it look like. But then it's great because Joan Bennett is there and and, and Angelique is in Latin, and Cassandra is there, and she's. This is your grave. This is your tomb, and and the and whatever is holding that blank piece of cardboard is starting to fall off, and <laughs> and Joe Bennett has to put her hand on the cardboard. Oh, the, the tomb thing where she. Yeah. Like, yes, I yeah. know. Oh my God, that was yeah. funny. Wasn't that a riot? And yeah, I was like, put- is somebody else seeing this besides me? Because yeah, I'm coming off. You saw it right. right. 
And she's putting her hand on the damn thing to steady it so it doesn't fall off altogether. And finally, she takes her hand off, but you can still see it's a little lopsided. It's a yeah, little it's coming open. Yeah. It's coming open. That's great. That's great. That's what makes Dark Shadows wonderful. Um, I have to say that Maggie was a bit wasted. Yeah. A little bit. Because yeah. the thing is, like, you know, her father dies. Then she's like, she's going to stay at Collinsport. So she kind of comes in with her suitcase, goes up the stairs. Next episode, she goes out, out, brings her suitcase down the door and out she goes with Joe. And that's pretty much it. Like, there's no mourning for her dad, really, at all. Was that? We're not seeing the blue whale in the the inn anymore, either, hardly. No, they didn't have that in this block. There's a brief scene where, but that's like days after the man's death, where she talks with Joe about it. Uh, But like for, for a minute. Uh, I mean, you would think that she was a lot more, you know, but but they basically keep her upstairs in the Collinwood bedroom resting uh, for half which, the... Which is kind of odd, considering that Maggie... Why is she there? Well, well she, because she didn't want to be at home because Adam's running around, isn't he? The guy that killed her oh, father. Oh, that's true, around, that's true. So there's that, so a bit of safety. Um, she can't go live with Joe because this is the 60s, so you can't have her living in sin. She's the girl <laughs> next door. But, um, but it's, just, it's just a bit... I don't know. I do think if I'm going to make, you know, a little bit of criticism, you know, Maggie's whole storyline is about her alcoholic father, Pops, and how she has to take care of Pops and how she has to be there for Pops and everything like this. And now that Pops is gone, you think that there would be some more loss. Liberating storyline. Well, there could be some liberation, but there's going to be a lot of loss there. I mean, basically your whole world, your father and your father's dead. That's it. I know. And I, 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 she's not really, yeah, they don't have her very broken up at all. I mean, no, not at all. No, not, not I mean, she, she's a bit, she's a bit, Vicky's a bit upset that she wasn't able to hear Sam's last words, which would have been a drink curse to pass on to her. But even so Vicky got over it really quick. Oh, yeah. It's over everybody's death. I mean, she had no problem after Burke Devlin died. I mean, that she was mourning three, three days and, Bam, she was doing something else. Wow. You know? She was, she was thrown back. She was after Barnabas then, wasn't she? Yeah. <laughs> That's why she went up and barked to Barnabas. Well, then Barnabas was messing with her with the the, bo- the music box then, wasn't he, though? Yeah, was and then she, then, then she went back in time, and then we, you know, relived that story. But, um, yeah. A, but yeah, so, yeah, Sam's passing didn't really seem to be much of a passing or much of a miss kind of thing, which is kind of sad for a, a lifelong character that's been in it from the beginning of the show. And by this point, we, you know, yeah. we've seen yeah. five days a week, you know, what is it, a year and a half that we've gone through of the episodes yeah. now? Exactly. So, at least exactly. on regular soapies now, like, you know, like, well, at, they don't have, like, as the world turns and stuff like that, I know. General Hospital's still hanging in there. But they have memorials, you know, the big picture and, you know, every once in a while, someone will have a, a bo- you know, the 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 uh, coffin there because they need to steal some DNA, <laughs> you know, but they, but for the most part, there's a memorial. Where's the memorial for Sam? Yeah, well, I guess they can't really do a graveyard scene, I guess. I mean, a, a grave, one of those. They never really scenes. thought of doing the funeral thing for him. I mean, you know, he'll, he'll make one more appearance as a ghost and uh, watch out for that, everybody. But other than that, yeah. um, but, but, you know, what I couldn't understand was, so after all this dream curse thing of going from one to the other, what do they do? What does she finally do with Sam, Cassandra? But well, she makes him drink something which allows him to have the dream because right. Vicky couldn't get the whole thing in. So then the question is, if that's the case, why can't she just have everybody else uh, have the same potion or something? Make make sure make sure that the well, potion have, gets to whoever they we need. Yeah, Blair to. starting. Does Blair does Blair just? 
got here, so he hasn't really got into that that part of it yet. Not yet, no, no, not well, yet. Well, did um, I mean, I, my, I mean, my interpretation of it was is that the reason why the potion works on Sam because he's a bit brain addled anyway from being heavily injured, right? But did, and so maybe that's the reason he's more susceptible. I mean, that's what I was picking up. I could be totally off base here, but I, I, I don't think I, I don't know. To be honest with you, I think you're you, you might be you know, it's. That would be an excellent medical reason for it, but I don't think the writers were thinking of that when they uh, when they. Isn't it what what kills him though? What what, I mean, it's only because he dies, right? Because not telling her. So was it the dream curse that died him, or was it the injuries that Adam caused him that caused? I think it's the injuries that Adam caused, uh, but that's not really. He just he just finally. That's that's the reason I thought that maybe the reason why the potion worked is because um he's he's you know he's on his deathbed. Plus, he's lost the will to live. And then he knows he's dying. And that, I think, is a big factor. Uh, More susceptible he, to things. Yeah, he just gave yeah. up. He just gave up. And that's, and that's, and that's pretty obvious. But I think that uh, Stokes, although he obviously didn't want Vicky to hear the dream, uh, he was very, very, he was really callous, you know, and saying, and that's a, that's a very interesting little argument. Yeah, Vicky, Vicky shows what she used to be when she talks up to Stokes and say, you can't tell me not to, not to, what kind of an inhuman monster are you? She implies, uh, you're telling me you don't want me to be with a guy, you know, I mean, he's my friend. And, uh, and nonetheless, you cannot, da, 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 da. And she does it anyway. Uh, and good for, and nice for Vicky in a way. That's the way she used to be before yeah. she became, uh, I don't God. know what's happening. I don't understand what's wrong. You know, before, you know, so she showed a little gumption there. And yeah. uh, unfortunately, it was too late. But uh, I do, um, talking about Vicky, um, when Jeff Clark comes back from, I'm, you know, I'm searching for myself, um, a tour that he went on, then we basically have, um, you know, basically he sees Reverend Trask and then he runs through Reverend Trask's ghost form. And then all of a sudden something happens to him. Do we know what exactly happened to him? Does he, does he now fully realize that he is actually Jeff, uh, Peter Bradford? I think he had a revelation where he thinks he is. Much later, much later. Oh, that's later? I'm waiting again. Not now. Because the thing is, is he runs through Trask's ghost and then there's like this kind of shutter thing that happens to his body. Yeah. He gets and, then, and then he has the dream, of course, that night. So, it's, and then, but he acts really, really weird. So it's like that's right. He he's gets, sleeping with his shoes on. He gets oh, Joe was yeah. <laughs> when, yeah, when Joe Mar- was sleeping with his shoes on. When Marie Wallace, the first, sleep. the first episode of Marie Wallace, she was she as Eve, she had her shoes on and a, and a nice pair of shoes too. Uh, so, uh, um, yeah, he gets glimmers. Uh, Jeff Clark gets glimmers, oh, okay. and 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 seeing Trask's ghost is the trigger, uh, and right. you know, and it brings out is Peter Bradford. Then he goes right back. You know, Peter Peter Bradford is the uh, is the unconscious manifestation, and uh, there's a reason for him not. And you won't find this till much much later in the series, but there's a reason. For it, for it being important for him not to remember that he's Peter Bradford, uh, and that's because if one, once he remembers that, something's going to happen. I don't want to talk about what's going to happen, but that's really what's going on. But we don't know that yet. And so, uh, but but now, and I think it's a good technique. The writers are like putting this gray area in there uh, as to 
Is he going to remember? Is he is he not going to remember? What's going to happen to him if he does remember? Uh, and uh, and again, it gives the it gives the actors a chance to do the dual roles. What I'm trying to figure out is, we know Vicky came back in time because she has always been her, you know, her whole self going back and forth. But is he supposed to be a reincarnation, or was he thrown back in he, time? Jeff yeah, Clark is the reincarnation of Peter Bradford. But, so, but, because he but, really but, doesn't have a history. Yeah, he doesn't have like any child history or memories or anything of being Peter Bradford at all either. So it's, kind of, it's, just, it's kind of a weird thing, isn't it? Because well, it, 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 first of all, it comes back as an adult, and there's no, it's not like he was born as a right. as a child, and then yeah, they just he has find no history. Him. They don't really. They don't really. He he has no background except for when he was found in the docks in Portsmouth. Or walking around, and yeah. that's when Lang found him, put him in the hospital, and gave him the name of Jeff Clark because because nobody knew, and that's what he's talking about when he goes to Portsmouth to try and see his roots, and nobody can tell him about it, and he's very frustrated when he gets back, and that doesn't help matters either because he's and, not a ghost, and he's not, no, he's not, he's 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 you know, it's it's a very gray area because if any of our um, listeners got any answers, please. Give us your suggestions because I've been trying to figure yeah, this give out. Your, for a while. Give us your theories. I like to is, hear some theories. What is Jeff Clark? You'll yeah. find out eventually. Or... You'll find out everything eventually, and that'll and that'll. But that's not for a while. I guess I it's the same thing. The but we can say the same thing with. I mean, the same thing is with Angelique. She comes back yeah. to Cassandra, but right. What is right. she? I mean, right. comes back as like an ascended being, you know. Yeah, that's probably the best way, or in her case, a descended being. But that's that's the descended best way of putting being, it. Yeah. yeah, that's the best way of putting it. But then it. I guess um, later on when we get to that point. I guess that will be mirrored with the Nicholas Blair storyline that's coming right. now started. Right. So that that probably st- that will explain the whole Angelique. Right. Very very involved. Very involved. But do you see what's happening already? This now Dark Shadows is now Dark. It's like a motorcycle that's really now speeding down the highway. And the fans have to keep up with the 1795 plot line as well as the current plot line right. and everything that's going on. And it wasn't easy for them, but, but a lot of them did it. And that's and then they were fascinated. Not like we had VCRs back in the day and that's you just right. click record. That's right. And so it's, it's yeah. so it's so it's really a great thing. It's really a great thing to look at these episodes again and to see the intricacy that went into these uh, you have again once you you have four or five plots going on at the same time and of course you have maggie with the earrings now that's another thing that they're trying this man is josette spirit going to be coming back to infiltrate maggie well we did get josette spirit coming back with the weeping weeping josette yeah and that was florence stanley uh who did the weeping and she's the one who from uh, up to down you know what i kind of miss in these newer episodes i kind of miss the the announcer at the end with the ormonds and blaney yeah, or box, you know. Or- st- he switched over to sound effects. They stopped using him as an announcer. And they started. They put him on into sound effects with you. Uh, with, with because the- I thought what it was was that um, because when the DVDs and the videos of Dark Shadows and television um, as well, they started from the Barnabas storyline, and right. that's what that's where they would show the reruns and stuff from that uh-huh. point uh-huh. forward. And yeah. so, um, so I thought that maybe that's the reason why they were wiped out because before the Barnabas storyline are there but those the ones before the Barnabas storylines were never in rerun or never in circulation really they came out a lot later 
they came out like at, after the whole show run and then after you bought the DVD sets or the, the video sets of Dark Shadows. Once you got from Barnabas all the way to the end, then you were able to get in the, the beginning, Dark Shadows, the beginning Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, I mean, they they didn't seem like anybody was really interested in that that beginning. Well, I mean, I thought that it really laid the pipe for the whole foundation. Exactly, but but it it takes a while for it to take off as well. It It it, does. There there was a lot. There was a good two or three months where it meanders. It's kind of rough. and And let's be honest, it's kind of flat, really, until we get to the Phoenix storyline, and then they're like. Right. jumps a bit and then it goes but, and then you, got, but you got and then those louis Ed, you got those louis Edmonds slick zingers there and him pretending to be a ghost outside of the laundry in the attic oh yeah, yeah classic. that's classic. To this day. yeah but it, but it was something classic. different it was just a, like a gothic romance with like intrigue and, well i think that's you know, what it was intended to be and, and then they just, who's, right. who's gonna take over the family business and it was all gothic romance and then of course as we talked about there was a whodunit and then it turned into gothic. Well, it was more horror. Jane Irish, you know, in the beginning. Yeah. And I mean, you still have a little bit of a of, of a whodunit, uh, you know, who murdered who murdered Sam, you know, that kind of thing. And yeah. Everybody thinks it's Adam, but they don't know. And well, uh, I mean, at least that's faster. I mean, it took a year to find out what happened in that bloody car crash with Burke and exactly. Laura and yeah. Roger. <laughs> it's gonna <be> like a <laughs> year. <laughs> And by the time you heard it, we're like, oh, okay, big yeah. deal. It's like it's like yeah. this huge buildup. Like, oh, what's the story gonna be? And then it comes out it's like, it's yeah, like really, that was it, kind of it's like that person real. who tells you a joke for like 10 minutes and then you get to the punchline going, What? That was a little <laughs> flat. It was a little flat. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. But saying that, I mean, but I mean, I do love the beginning because I love the Phoenix storyline. I thought that that's one of my favorites. So so. You'll see her again. I'm not saying when, but you will yeah. see. Yeah, oh, I know. We'll see her again. And uh, so I that's a you know. So that's something to look, that's something to look forward to. But but anyway, so 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 this block once again, in my opinion, just mixes a lot of the mixes and matches. Uh, a lot of the plot lines. I the my my only thing I would have liked to have seen Louis Edmonds do Joshua again. Yeah. And maybe he see him. He could have had a fight with the new Naomi. You know, who's standing up to him, and uh, that would have been that would have created some more tension, but uh, but 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 that's minor, uh, and of and of course everybody is so happy when they see Angelique finally exercised, uh, or so they think, uh, by Trask, uh, but but Barnabas, who is now now we see that Barnabas and Julia are getting a lot closer. Barnabas realizes that Julia saved him from being suffocated to death behind yeah. the wall. He's still not going to stump her, though, is he? No. What? There's <laughs> no stumping stump going on. He's still not going to stump her. No, 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 no. He's not going to stump her. No, no, no. That's, that, that's, I feel that's so true. bad because, I mean, I, I hate how they... Well, I know they do it to guys, too. They make guys look sappy. You know, the perpetual, what's the word? You know, the unrequited love, you right, know, like the crush you have on the beautiful boy in high school who doesn't know you're alive, you know, kind of thing. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I think wow. everybody can relate, but I just want it. But she suffers more than she does so much for this guy, you know, and it's just like always will, you know, uh, and, I think, and, but he just I, doesn't I, I, appreciate I say- Julia. 
Well, he doesn't appreciate it the way she wants him to, but at least he says, you are best friends, life though. again. Yeah. Right? They're my best friends. Again. And They're now, buddies. right. And now because of that, because he finally realizes now she is there for him. Yeah. And, uh, he hasn't strangled is, her in a long time. That's true. That's true. And, you know, I had something to say about this block though. That's quite interesting is we, this is one of the only blocks that we actually pretty much see every, Every single cast member except for two, and that's Dan, um, Daniel, and Mrs. Johnson. We don't see them in this block. We see every other cast member in this block. Which is, is Mrs. Like... Is Mrs. Johnson's son in these episodes? Is he? No, I was just going to no. say, not in the, not no, no. Harry, uh, Harry is somewhere in the. Because I know in the next block he pops in, but yeah, I mean, yeah, not, I not in this block. Can, can hardly wait for that. Yeah, yeah he, he sets yeah. a ray of sunshine that one. He is yeah. such a memorable <laughs> character. Yeah. But yeah, I thought that was quite interesting that we got to see like every single main character that's that, pretty much well, every single every single main character who's interesting. Because Mrs. Johnson, I love Mrs. Johnson, but she, you know, but her character is Mrs. Johnson, and Daniel's character is Daniel. I think I noticed a new wig in this block. Oh, David. David. I should say David. David, David, I mean, David, David. David, 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 David. So, but but all the um, interesting characters were in this block every single Even Addison Powell's voiceover in the first episode once again. But that was the last time you see, you hear his voice episode, voiceover in this block. Uh, Because then David takes the tape and. Oh my God, the Deckham tape. Oh my God. Yeah. Like, of all people to trust with it. Well, well, they have no idea what's on the tape. They just think it's music, so they let the kid take the tape and uh, bury it somewhere. And you know, and and you don't hear hide nor hair of it until for the rest of the block, yeah. Because there's other stuff going on. Uh, the 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 major issue is uh, is you know proving Adam is still alive because once again, Julian Barnabas don't know that yet. And uh, but it's interesting. So now Stokes is starting to tutor him and you now see Robert Rodan is going to be getting more and more uh, lines to the point where he's he's going to be he's go- you're going to see him talking like the original Mary Shelley Frankenstein. Yeah. And I have to, yeah, saying that though, I have to then say that was a really lovely scene between Professor Stokes and Adam. And yes. And teaching him how to read and the flashcards. I thought that was, that really was, nice. that, I have to agree. That was, yes. that was that a very really nice scene. scene. But when Adam sees telephone, he says, oh, oh, oh. Yeah. Because you know, he heard, because he associates that with Barnabas's voice. And so, you know, that was, uh, but that was, but yeah, and this do we, is. Do we know how Adam survived the fall? Never accept it. We never re- accept that it. it's implied that because he's so superhuman and his strength and he everything. Swam. And right. that was a, that was how he was able so to because he's a supernatural being, is how he survived them. So oh, yeah, he like is supernatural, that. is he? Something I mean he's, like he's pieces of other dead bodies. But all the but all the original yeah. all the original cuts and bruises and blood in his face, all of a sudden that's gone after a week. And we really don't know. I mean, or did, or did yeah, Sam that's take true. care of him? That's true. Or but does Sam that also have to? Do, but has that have to do? See, I thought the reason why that was happening is not so much as a blooper or um, a, a makeup malfunction or whatever. I thought that had to do because he is the essence of Barnabas, but Barnabas is a vampire, so vampires heal very, very quickly. So therefore, interesting. He should, he should, right. he should, he should, so maybe he's healing at the rate. That's he true. Because he is the essence of the vampire. Uh, Barnabas is vampire. Yes, but we're. 
but we're we're being stuck with the like the vampire diary vampires though you okay. know because they don't think well, even, but, but, vampires but, back. yeah but even but even any vampire any vampire thing that you see if they're not they're not staked and they're just like being shot or stuff like that they heal quickly every single vampire does right well barnabas did get shot a couple of times and he heals yeah so. but if but if the two of them are experiencing uh the same kind of things like for instance adam when barnabas was walled up and and his wrists were tied adam felt the pain right. that barnabas was experiencing why then didn't adam start to asphyxiate because Barnabas was losing air right. in the wall. But no, Adam's trying, Adam breathes perfectly. But that's one of those things you're not supposed to think about. It's Hollywood. Oh, God of, forbid. You know? you know, yeah, yeah, but there, there is some kind of, um, but, you know, with Dark Shadows, I mean, they don't, I think when it gets down to the sciences, I think sometimes they kind of skirt over the science part of it. They the sure did. Um, but I have to sit there and say, though, because we do open up with a segment with Barnabas and Willie looking for Adam knowing and Barnabas knowing for a fact that Adam is not dead right. sort of thing. So obviously there must be some kind of interlinking ment- uh, mentality. But they still don't the understand why Barnabas and Adam share that same level together. Mm-hmm. What, yeah. what they have together, you know? Well, so- I don't think, I mean, nothing Barnabas, I mean, Barnabas and Julia and, they don't really, I mean, they still don't know what, what, what the real link is because the real link that explains the real link is on that tape that neither one, of, no one's heard except for Adam. But that was kind right. of a surprise too, though, because that's not where he was going with this because originally Barnabas's brain was supposed to be in that body. Right, it, it just took a totally well, supposed, different... Yeah, he was, he was supposed to be Jeff Clark, wasn't he? He was going to turn into Jeff Clark. Yeah. That would be even before that, sure. So it took a... I think the writers were trying to figure out what to do when they finally realized... Uh, yeah, there was a whole backstory that uh, Adam was going to be Adam Collins, Barnabas's uh, nephew or cousin. Well, it was cousin, but then Louis Edmonds mispronounced it and said nephew. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. But uh, that... but. That was that was, and it just took a, and then everybody forgot about that. It was a totally, right, right. A totally different direction. So what we're going to do now is we're going to cut to who's our favorite character and who's our least favorite character of this block. <laughs> Starting with Tom, who's your favorite character of this block and your least favorite character of this block? The tie that I feel uh, should be between Jerry Lacey and Humper Allen is straight up. Uh, as I call it, the one-two punch once again. I'm with uh, Tom. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry? Yeah. I'm oh, with thank you, you on thank that. You. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I mean, they, they, you know, it's always great to see Jerry Lacey do. And even in the subsequent incarnations, which the fans will see. I, I really like the 1795 Tresk the best. Uh, yeah, because, of, because this was the the real, the real, you know, you love to. It was so dramatic. love to see him scream, you know. And, and he was yell. so crucible. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and there was some good, no, I mean, there was some good moments. I mean, you know, even I'll give David Ford credit when David Ford had the dream he was screaming like a little baby. I was scared, you know, the, you know, and then and Willie gave a couple of screams this time, which, uh, which was really, uh, which really kind of made me jump. Uh, John Carlin is very good at that. Uh, yeah. But, but I think that the, but I think that the, 
that these two, Nickel and of course, and Humper Allen and Strato, just dug right into it and established himself as the new devil character who has a very wry sense of humor, a very dry sense of humor. And uh, he'll come, and every other line coming out of his mouth is a is a double entendre, you know. I'm from Martinique, you know where that you know where that was. Don't get Barnabas, you know that kind of thing, and uh, and, and 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 all kinds of you know. And I told you about that. You're a man after my own heart. There were so many things that he did, and uh, so those are the two. Those are the two best. Well, now worst. Um, I really don't think they gave Catherine, you know, even Carolyn was good. Uh, I give her honorable mention because when she had the dream, she was really a nervous wreck. And uh, Nancy Barrett's talents came to the fore. I don't think they gave Catherine Lay Scott a lot to do. They didn't. Not at all. No. And so she's, you know, although she gets in a nice scream when Adam grabs her by the arm, uh, and uh, the next, and of course, the very next show in the first scene, instead of grabbing her by the arm, he's in the middle of the room where they're grabbing her by both arms, and the whole scene has changed. And uh, they just, you know, and they just, you know, people weren't gonna, it's the same thing with Willie. Uh, um, I love Willie's fits, I love it when he gets all anxiety ridden and. Well, the best blooper, the, one of the one of the most famous bloopers, is when he's sitting in this block, or he's sitting on the ground in the cellar, and he says, "Boy, this place gives me the willies," and then he breaks out of character and he says, "Willies," he goes, "Oh, that's funny," and and I think what the writers oh, yeah, did, yeah, he did, that's right, yeah, that's a great blooper, and what the writers cleverly did was they ended a voiceover. Uh, where, where, where Willie says, funny, my life is funny. So that's how they tried to recover from that. That was kind of brilliant because they knew that nobody was going to, they knew that no. And at the very same time, when Willie said that some guy sticks his ass into the scene and goes right back from the left, you see some guy gets into the scene and he goes and he goes into the left. And then there was a clean light somewhere. Oh, it's, oh, it's, everything went wrong. Everything went wrong with that. But, um, but he came through. So who is the one? Yeah, Kay, Catherine. Catherine, they did not give her a lot to do. And, uh, you know, she had a nice scream when Adam grabbed her. But that was about it. So that's my take on it. How about you, uh, Kinks? Vicky? Vicky? Uh, favorite character and least favorite character? Uh, I would have to say my favorite character. I had a lot of favorite characters. But as far as compelling and dramatic and whatever, um, uh, probably have to be Jerry Lacey. Um, I, I'm with Tom on that one because he just he's just so hardcore. I mean, he he goes from being like, you know, like the snoopster, like Bogart type kind of guy to to raging crucible, barbaric, you know, priesthood, you know, kind of thing. I just like his 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 um, what's the word? His. Uh, he's He's got a he just goes from one one to the other he's just so he's just diverse actor. He's versatile he's very versatile. He's very versatile he's he's got such a range on him and i mean he's just fun to watch and you know he, he back in the day he was pretty dashing and handsome i've seen pictures of him he's still kind of dashing and handsome yeah but um, obviously also there's a lot of these actors are very athletic i mean how did how did uh how was trask able to put barnabas in the wall if the wall was three quarters full 
Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, you know. <laughs> my my most my, I would have to say my worst my, my least favorite was probably the 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 skeleton in the wall. <laughs> With the scotch tape. The skeleton was not convincing. They took the scotch tape off, by the way. Oh, the they did. Well, I just read the, just the line on the head. You know, those things, they open the cranium like you yeah. have in biology class in yeah. high school. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah, what yeah. this was. That's why it just kills yeah. me. I really can't say I have anybody I dislike in these, except maybe um, like, like, you know, not giving enough uh, for uh, Catherine Lee Scott. She really doesn't have a whole lot going on in this. And I always love watching her performances and, you know, and, um, and Sam, those glasses, man, that, that I'm sorry that he couldn't read the teleprompter, but I just, I, I see Peter Boyle. Every time I see that scene, I think a young Frankenstein and it's hard to take seriously because my immature self, and we all know I am just starts laughing every time I see those glasses and I mean, I love Sam. I mean, I I, I totally love him. But the the, the glass. Well, when I was watching Dark Shadows, Isaac walked in and he looked at Sam and he asked him if I was watching Shrek. What? <laughs> hey, I want to give Thayer David an honorable mention because oh yeah, uh, I think he did a he continues to do a a, a good uh, supporting a very supporting uh, role as that and, and Rogan. Like he said, that one episode, that one part of the ep- the episode where they were doing the flashcards, that was just so well done. And I mean, anybody who's a parent or whatever who's ever taught or had to you know show flashcards, that that just because for back in the day, I don't even know if people do flashcards anymore. Do they I even know what either. they are? I you don't know? either. I don't either. Uh, what about and- you, Keith? Well, my favorite character is actually Robert Rodin as Adam in this block. Well, I think because for me, the reason why is I, up until this point, I kind of found Adam a bit annoying for my, for my liking. I love Adam. I actually see, I actually saw growth in this, in this block with him. You saw a lot more um, emotional range with him. You saw tenderness, you saw kindness, you saw right. scared, you saw longing and you saw understanding. And to be able to do that with the impediment that Adam's character has and be able to relay all those different emotions is a quite a feat to do, actually. I don't know a lot of people would be able to pull that off. And I think that Robert Rodin did a fantastic job at Adam. So he's my favorite, actually. My least favorite, I'm gonna have to agree with all three of you, was Kathleen Scott. And it's not because of her acting. It's not because of Maggie or anything like that. It has to do with the writers didn't really give her the opportunity to show her mourning, the mourning, the loss of her father. She kind of had to do the, the, a little bit of screen bit. And then it's like, oh, Pops, I'm worried about you at the hospital. And that was it, really. Suitcase up the stairs, suitcase down the stairs, out the oh, door she goes. And by the way, the suitcase, Vicky and Maggie have the same suitcase. Uh, they probably loan it out to each oh, other. Oh, my God. I didn't even think of that. And uh, probably every character on the show will have the same suitcase. They don't want to spend money to give them a I'm gonna have to watch. That's that's the anal stuff I will be watching for now. <laughs> yeah, the, the blue the blue Samsonite. That's what I think that is. I, is that the same stuff that the gorilla used to throw around in the seventies in the commercial? Remember I the Samsonite that. commercial? Was it Samsonite? I think so. Yeah, I think so. They had the gorilla well, that, and he was like the, on the luggage. <laughs> yeah, or OJ or OJ Simpson be jumping over in the airport. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Good old Jay. Back, back when J Simpson was something to be admired. <laughs> Absolutely. Get old juice. <laughs> uh, what, 
things that happen as your oh, life progresses life. forward. The yeah. decades, I'm telling you, you just you never know what's going to happen, people. That's yeah, for it's sure. Only a oh, of this time is before the Kardashians are chased down the road by a oh. cop. <laughs> oh, this is really <laughs> trivial. But when Tom Gorman, who uh, played the, among other things, he played the bartender in the Eagle during 1795, right. so they bring him back as the judge during the trial and he's in the same wig and the same clothes. And so all of a sudden the guy who was the bartender at the Eagle has become a judge who was crooked. So it could only happen in America. That's all That's I right. Said. Yep. Absolutely. So this brings us to our final thoughts of this block, starting with you, Tom. What's your favorite block? What's your favorite bit about the, what? What's your overall impression of this block? They're all my favorite blocks, uh, but yes. No, he doesn't uh, have a non-favorite block. I, I don't have it. Well, yeah, no, I do. About your, your over, I mean, your overall impression of this. Well, I, yeah, well actually, block, Vicky, yeah. I do. The one where they waited 30 days for the autopsy is not one of my favorites. Oh, but, I forgot about that. Yes. <laughs> but but uh, this... But and, and where Sheriff Patterson uh, is, oh God Almighty! Yeah, uh, I don't. We don't want to go up. into it. But uh, yeah, the the this is definitely a strong block because of the one-two punch that I that I'll say the third time, and also the mixture, the interweaving of the plots, the uh, the ability to have four actors portray two parts during the same block with such different ranges and interpretations. Uh, Jerry Lacey's Peterson versus Trask, uh, Joe Crothers, uh, Forbes versus Joe. Um, you, you see, you know, Naomi, you know, Naomi, and although Liz is infusing more of Naomi, it, Naomi, right. Liz's Naomi now is more Liz than Naomi. I just, I know, just to read, just, just for a second, you know, <laughs> one thing about this block is why is it always Liz they drive insane? Isn't there anybody else they can drive insane on this show? No, it, I think it's because she's normally going on holiday when they drive around. I was just okay, thinking okay, the gotcha. same thing. So the best way to get rid of her is to, you know, Make but even Jonathan needed day. a week off. That's why they put him in the wall. So he could he could have a week's vacation. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So, but uh, but but I agree. I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna give somebody a chronic illness, that's the best way to get them out. Make them uh, nuts. For, you know, for, for for a while. So anyway, I think with a combination of all that, uh, this uh, because and and you can see not it's not like you have to wait from one block to another block to see the different role. Here, it's all in the same block. It's right there in the same show. In the same yeah. show, practically. What a makeup job where where Trask has to get in, where Jerry Lacey has to do Trask on the one hand, probably tape it separately, and then do Tony Peterson for the next scene. Uh, it's a, boy, that, that's really quite a switch. Uh, for all those reasons, this was a, this to me was a solid block. And what about yourself, Vix? I'm with Tom on that. It's a very solid block because you've got elements of the old and you've got elements of the new coming in at the end where you're starting to figure out, you know, just possibly going to get all of Angelique's backstory possibly is in your near future, you know, and then you have Jerry Lacey, you know, being just, like I said, he goes all crucible on everybody. And I, you know, they, they like to wall up people and, you know, you got that, that's, that gothic thing going on with the horror and stuff that probably well back in the day little kids you know probably weren't supposed to watch dark shadows because it give you nightmares like me 
But uh, anyway. looking back in retrospect, though, it's just good, good, clean fun now, you yeah, know, watching yeah, it. it. Yeah, but I mean, I, I like, I like, like I said, I can't really pick out other than the skeleton, somebody I didn't like in this episode, because I thought it was a strong transitional block where we're going to start getting some new stuff going on and the new storylines come in and Adam's going to, you know, go further on down the road to what, you know, to what's, you know, his, his destiny on the show. But I mean, it's, it's, I like it. It's a strong block. I don't really have anything bad to say about it. Well, myself, um, I really like block actually to be honest on um, this month hasn't been a good month for me as far as time management is concerned oh yeah i know and um due to various things at work and so on and so right. forth um but saying that um and uh, this show kept me vested and i actually was able to work through this block very very quickly and still be invested all the way through from beginning to end so yeah i think it was a very very strong block it's good to see a you know, a nod towards the past and bringing the past into the current storyline. I like that. And I think that everyone did a really good job. And I did scratch my head a couple of times because I know how the show was filmed. And I was wondering, like, when they went from 1795 into a dream sequence and then they showed someone dreaming and, you know, how they how they did the quick change and everything like that. I still don't get the dream. I, I, I will never understand in a million years what that dream curse was i know what it's about but i don't know what the dream sequence is supposed to you got guillotines you got skeletal brides you know you it's just got all kinds of wacky shit that you just real. what has this got to do with anything the guillotine I think curse. A lot of, yeah i think a lot of people were high was it probably just that. random shit <laughs> for dangerous random, random 60s drug yeah drugies. possibly um, but um, yeah, LSD I'm sure, that, the sugar I'm sure there's probably some kind of information out there about what each one symbolizes. Yeah, I might have to try to dig that up because the symbolism for that's just driving me crazy. Yeah. So, but overall, I think it's a very, very good block, and I really, really enjoyed this block, and I kept it kept me totally invested. I didn't, my mind didn't yeah. wander. So I, 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 I kept watching. I've already blazed past you guys because I wanted to watch the rest of it so i just kept on going yeah so. no, i always I always force myself to stop at our stopping point uh so. sometimes well they're so easy to watch though they're only like <laughs> 20 minutes 25 minutes you know just i could just knock those babies off easy mm-hmm. so that brings us to the end of the literary license podcast dark shadows Episodes 504 uh, to 525. 5526 49 and we'll continue on with adam's storyline in dark shadow i'm writing that down right now and what what do you say now let's let's be let's be 100 we'll be doing 525 to 549 um well <laughs> the reason why it makes um there's also a couple of misnomerings in our episodes of dark shadows because we'll figure out what those some of these misnumbering are in july the reason why they were some of them misnumbered some of them have double numbers like one Right. 532 and 533 are numbered. One episode's numbered those two numbers. There's a couple of those numbers as well. 
So what we're going to do is remember um, next week we'll be doing classic novels, which will be Jonathan Swift's Gulliver's Travels and the Ray Harryhausen film, The Three Worlds of Gulliver. And of course, we will also be having our special memoriam interview with Chris Pennick um, for all our viewers of Dark Shadows out there to wish everyone a happy Easter. And I think what we do will be carrying on our Bewitched. And of course, our two for one will be Night of the Living Dead and Return of the Living Dead. And we also have some, some special guests for that as well. So it's good night for myself and good night, Tom. Good night, Keith, Vicky, and good night, everybody. As usual, stay safe. And good night, Vicky. Good night, everybody. Take care of each other. And good night from the Literary License Podcast. And remember, next week for Easter, the Chris Panic interview, and a happy Easter to you and your and a happy Passover as well. Yeah. Happy Passover. Pass pass when we pass over, <laughs> my people will be free. <laughs>